stuff and then a pair to DJ with. And they kept, the plastic kept breaking right in here. So there'd be a little leak. So I'm like, screw this. I'm never buying these again. Right. And then I got these and I've literally had them for about 18 years. And they're a hundred bucks at Guitar Center or wherever. Really? Great audio, everything. Sony? Sony what? 7506? 7506. I might do Are that. we rolling now? We are is this, rolling. Is this the pre-show? This is the pre-show. I could I could hit the button and, and make the music play. Doesn't matter. The do intro. It, do whatever you want. I don't I, care. Or I could do that in post-production. Whatever yeah, you want. Let's do it now. I just I'm gonna keep this a part of the podcast though. Okay. <laughs> totally cool. You're listening to the 419 Grind Podcast. Toledo's source for exclusive news in music, business, sports, and entertainment. Eric Chase. What's up? What's going on? Man? Is Tracy going to be here? Who? Tracy? Tracy the rare breed. Yeah. Actually, he's going to be here later. Okay. You want to stay for that? I can do that. All right. He's To me, he's the vitamin shop guy. <laughs> the vitamin shop guy. Is that where you met him? It, technically, because I would go to that vitamin shop. That, right, down, do, right down the street, right? On Monroe, yeah. and uh, his boss was a listener of the show all the time, oh. and they were on my route, and I'd go in there all the time. They were always good people, but... Okay. And then uh, I think right as he got going, a lot of people that I knew that worked there were leaving for oh. just for good opportunities. Right. It wasn't a bad workplace. Yeah. And then Tracy showed up and then he was gone. Never <laughs> yeah. knew his name. Nicest guy. Yeah. 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 He, he did some stints in uh, uh, different places. I met him at uh, Radio Shack. Okay. He went to the same high school that I went to, but this was years after I graduated. And I made a, met him at Radio Shack. Okay. Uh, I knew his family. Because they were into church and singing and all that stuff. My my dad was a preacher and he sung and all that stuff. So, yeah. What high school did you go to? I went to Scott High School. Okay. I uh, my first experience with radio was eighty eight point three, the Jazz Express. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I did that uh, my junior and senior year. How old are you? I am forty three. Forty three. Okay, you look you look younger than that. How, oh. old, do you, how old do you think I am? You are thirty seven. 41. 41. Yeah. Okay. Well, so there, we'll be the under 40 show. All right. Or under 40. Under 40. Um, so do you know, you're, you're too old for him, I guess, but do you, do you know Jared Anderson? Jared Anderson. Yeah. I, know I that name. think he went to Scott. So he is a really highly touted um, Toledo boxer. Oh, Jared. Big Jared. Yes. Big yes, baby. Jared. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know his, uh, his last okay. name. So it was two months or so ago. Uh, Tony Geftos from 13 ABC mm-hmm. was going to cut an interview with some with Joe Tessitore. Okay, see, I know I know my sports stuff. I got to yeah. back it up, right? <laughs> um, he was, and they were doing. Tony put the pre roll like you just had right. on his Instagram, and Joe Tessitore knew he also does boxing. In a, well, he's not doing Monday Night Football anymore, right? But he's a big boxing guy, and he was telling Tony because he knew he was on in Toledo. He's like Jared Anderson. Kid's going to be a star, like could be not on Tyson's level, right? But could be in the Lennox Lewis and God, the Riddick Bow, yeah, yeah, like the types that we grew up after right. Tyson. Like Jared right. Anderson could be that for the heavyweight division again. And I'm like, I got to get on this. And uh, I haven't seen any of his fights because I go to bed before he fights. <laughs> right, right. His next fight is September. On the fifth, he's always repping Toledo, mm. and uh, in fact, the last picture he posted up on his Instagram was his was his robe was decked out in mud hen stuff. Okay, so I know like boxing is off our radar unless it was who is the local dude from a um, which one? The, there's Al- Albert 
Prince Bell, and then there's uh, the guy that got the key to the city. E Bunny, the guy that is, he's a skate. Robert Easter. Yes, yes, yes yeah. Robert Easter. Yeah. Um, he's uh, he could be like that kind of great, like, and to have a heavyweight champion heavyweight. from Toledo would be heavyweight. Would super be, cool. Would be great for Toledo. I mean, we've we've had what is I don't know what uh, Robert Easter is. Middleweight, Middleweight, small. Okay. Some, I don't know. Like, he's, yeah, he's a lower weight, but lower weight class. But uh, having a, a heavyweight champion, Toledo, right? That would be great for when we grew up in the nineties, like post Tyson. Yeah. We didn't we didn't know that there were other divisions besides heavyweight. <laughs> yeah, because once heavyweight uh, kind of fell off, I fell off of bosk bo- yeah, boxing. Too. Like, I didn't watch it at all. Who is the last? So I mentioned like Riddick Bowe and Lennox. Who who is the last heavyweight that you remember following? Mm. Them maybe who them not the big Russian guys they don't count no uh no uh, <laughs> the Klitschko's yeah the Klitschko doesn't count um after Tyson lost to Buster Douglas Holyfield had the belt for a while mm-hmm. um then I think it was him and Lennox form, yeah or, uh, Rick Bow was in there for a minute yeah he was he wasn't very uh. He wasn't a box, uh, a true boxer for yeah, real. Yeah, he yeah. didn't want to stay in in, yeah. in shape. So, yep. Uh, Foreman had it for a while. After you know, after that, their little that, that was it for me. Yeah, there were pockets of guys. Yeah, that was it for me as far as heavyweights. Like I kind of fell off Box, boxing. Period. Yeah, I didn't get back on to until uh, Mayweather fought. Uh, what's the guy he fought in two thousand nine, two thousand ten? Those guys I don't know. Mosley. Sugar Shane. Okay, I remember. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I recorded that on my uh, DVD recorder. Okay. In two thousand. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it changed. It changed yeah. after us. Yeah. We we got. I mean, no knock on Lewis and Ali and the legends, but we were not old enough to remember them. Right. We had like the golden age of those boxers from yeah. Tyson on. Yeah. It was sorry like, to knock all the people in no. the sixties and seventies, and I, I'm from Philly and. Frazier, like I'm supposed to love right. Frazier, but I love Tyson. Like you couldn't, I couldn't wait to stay up late, go over my uncles. It was have me to pay for you, beat the hell out of people. It was a different era back then when it comes to sports, uh, especially pay per view. Mm-hmm. You know, we gathered around uh, and the whole family, yep. to just to watch a Tyson fight. It was like a a, a coming a coming event. Mm-hmm. It was crazy back then. Now it's like, huh. It's UFC. It's not our thing. UFC is, yeah. I, I still enjoy UFC because it's it's a combat sport. Mm-hmm. It's not like Tyson versus uh, Lewis or Tyson versus Holyfield that big of a deal. You could watch UFC all week. Yeah. And it's like, okay, if John Jones fought, fights, I'll watch it. Did he, he had some criminal yeah, things? Yeah. Okay. Again. Once again, I, I don't follow it. I just see the I, headlines on ESPN. I, I do follow it a little bit. I, I kind of fell off that too because of all the different stuff that happens with the fighters and John Jones uh, drug test and criminal activity. Um, I just don't. It's, it's just not interesting to me anymore. I rather have box boxing bat with, yeah. with Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Well, yeah, I remember Roy Jones. Yeah. Um, and to bring it back around, maybe. Jared Anderson is the dude that brings back heavyweight boxing of the world. Because we remember those words. Yeah. And and it rings like Stanley Cup champions. Right. Lombardi trophy. Yeah. So, and it would be awesome for a Toledo dude to bring that back. Right. 
Because in 96, that was probably my best year in sports. I think uh, Tyson came back and won the belt, maybe. Peter McNeely? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, the chubby white guy yeah, beat up. Yep, yep, yep. The Bulls won the championship that okay. year. Uh, Yankees won. You're a Yankees fan? Yep. Okay. You're an Indians fan. Uh, I'm not. You have a Cleveland hat on. I, I, Are you a Phillies I, fan? This is not baseball. <laughs> I'm a I'm not a fan. Like I t- like I told you, I used to do sports radio, and I became very detached from fan uh, stuff because yeah. fans are emotional, and right. I'm not. <laughs> um, I root for things for my friends, so and I for my dad is Philly through and through, and mm-hmm. I follow all that stuff closely. Um, but I just like dark colored things. Uh, okay, it matched. <laughs> if I could have like endless Tigers home hats, right. <laughs> and it's so hard for me to find a fitted hat with my tiny little six and seven eighths head. Six, seven, eight. It's tiny. Oh, seven, one, four. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we can do all the, all the sports if you want. But well, tell me more about why 96. Well, 96, uh, the Bulls, of course. Um, the Red Wings won that year. Oh, they won in 95. It was the year they beat the, uh, 97, they beat the Flyers. Was it 97? 95, they might have beat the played or lost to the Devils. Okay. That dumb left wing lock. Mm. So 96, who won? That's a good question. I want to Google it. Hey, hey Siri, who won the 1996 Stanley Cup? Oh. The Avalanche swept the Panthers. I remember that. A- Avalanche beat the Panthers. Oh, wow. That was uh, like um, Forsberg and who was the goalie? Yeah, Patrick, Patrick Wah. Wah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I missed that one. <laughs> can, I, but can, 90, I, can, well, I, can I think about my, my yeah, favorite year? Yeah. I don't know. I'll I'll tell you the year that hurt me the most. Mm. Um 1991. 91. I know. And and I was just I was really just a kid then. Right. And I'll never forget it. It was a perfect fall Sunday afternoon in September. And uh at the, at that point like I it wasn't like you got to watch 11 hours of football. Like you watched your team. Right. But when I was 10 or 11 if you know, if your friends wanted to hang out, you hung out. You didn't live and die like like our parents did. And I remember my dad telling me that Bryce Pop fell into Randall Cunningham's knee, and he's out for the year. Wow! Randall Cunningham was is one of my all time favorite players, the ultimate weapon. Right. Uh, he was Vic and Lamar Jackson bef- before those guys, um, and he was just coming into from being uh, like scrambling Randall into he's an all around quarterback. And I heard that and I was disappointed and upset, but that's also the year that uh, the Eagles defense led the league in, in total defense passing and rushing, which has only been, which has only happened a couple of times. And I think they might've allowed like somewhere between like nine and 11 points a game. Clyde Simmons, Jerome wow. Brown, Reggie White, Byron Evans, Wes Hopkins, uh, uh, Seth Joyner. Like, it was one of the gr- five greatest defenses ever. And to think that they lost Randall Cunningham, it could have been the Super Bowl team. Right. 91? 91. Wow. You remember Super Tecmo Bowl, right? Yeah. Yep, QB yep. 12? Uh-huh. That's the team. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the team. Wow, it's crazy you're an you're, you're Eagles fan. I'm from there. It's, it's in yeah, my blood. Yeah, I know, get, I know. And... When, when they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, I when uh, Brady threw right before Brady threw up that heave to Gronk, mm-hmm. I was on the phone with my dad, and I was just so happy for him. 
Me, again, I can take it, leave it, but now my dad, who is not going to anytime soon, but he can die knowing the Eagles have won a Super Bowl. Wow. What was your what was your most painful year in sports? My most painful year. I think I messed up my, my, my greatest year in sports. I think it was 95, but my most painful year had to be whew, from 2000. To 2010 a whole decade the dallas cowboys you're a cowboys fan yes <laughs> <laughs> that's why i said 95 is probably my best year because 95 the cowboys won the super bowl okay the bulls won the championship and yeah. the yankees won the uh they didn't win that world the 96 i think was the first yeah, one because 95 was the indian was the braves in the shortened season back right, from the strike right. okay okay 95 96 okay because 95, uh, the the Stanley Cup was won by the, the Red Wings. So between those two years was my greatest okay. years. 2000 and 2010, probably longer. Right. My worst year in sports because the Yankees haven't won but, what, two since then. They so, won They won in 09 and they beat, they beat the Phillies. Right. And then they went the entire first ever, first ever full decade and they never won a title in the last decade. So 2010 and 2019. They had, they didn't win a single title, mm. and it's the first decade it ever happened in their history. Wow, those are some terrible years. <laughs> terrible, Actually, yeah, relative because, to the Yankees. Well, no, for every team that I that I root for, from 2010 to 2020 or 19, even 20, yeah, uh, the Celtics didn't win anything. So you're a Celtics and Bulls fan. Well, I'm not a Bulls fan anymore. Okay, I was a Jordan's fan. Okay, me too. Me too. Jordan fan, it was hard so. to get into Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after uh, after the last dance, um, I left the Bulls. When Jordan and Phil Jackson left, I left. Okay. So I got to ask you. So Yankees, Celtics, but mm-hmm. before the Bulls, Cowboys. Are you originally from here? I'm from Toledo. Okay. How did you get into liking all these well, typical teams? My father. Okay. He liked the Cowboys. Okay. Um, I was born in 77. Okay. That's the year the Cowboys beat the Vikings in the Super Bowl. Okay. So he was like a Stallback fan? Yeah. Or was that too too soon? Okay. No, no, he was. Okay. I was a, I, was, I had Danny White. Dan- uh. I remember Danny White. <laughs> Danny White was in not Super Techbo Bowl, Techbo Bowl. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. Danny White. I had Danny White as my first Babe Loffenberg. But we had Tony Dorsett. Yeah. So the Cowboys, uh, it's, my dad was a Celtics fan. I have no idea why. Okay. They were great when he was growing up. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were winning all kinds of championships. Yeah. So that's probably why. Your dad's one of the people that goes when there's like a LeBron and Jordan and whoever debate. He's like, ah, uh, Bill, Bill Russell. Russell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he was uh, Bill Russell, Kareem, and Dr. J was his guys. Okay. Um, yeah. So it, whenever we brought up LeBron and, and MJ, of course, he went back. Mm-hmm. 11 championships. I mean, what, what, what can you say? So, yeah, I, that's why I'm a Celtics fan because they okay. have Hey, you, you go with what you're, you, right. I like to think it, when it comes to music and sports, you either love or hate out of defiance yeah. what your parents do. Yeah. Because my brother is a Steelers fan. Okay. So he went the other way. Yeah. 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 Rival. Um, now, uh, I don't know how I became a Yankees fan. Okay. I started buying the hats because it's easy to get. They yeah. sold them everywhere. Right. So of okay. course I started watching baseball, fell in love with baseball, Derek Jeter, um, Bernie Williams. Yep. Uh, Tino, Posada. Yeah. Yeah, the whole team. So I adopted the Yankees as my team. 
Okay. I couldn't go with Detroit. I hate anything sure. Detroit. Uh, and when I except for the Red Wings. When I question why people like certain teams, especially very popular ones, I mean, obviously they attract. Uh, well, that, that's probably why, though. Well, they win a lot, but yeah. then I also like let people, especially here, uh, slide because there's not been much to root for. Like, it's hard to get into a team that always lets you down. When and, and most of the teams here that people yeah. would root for have, like the Browns, Lions, the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, yeah, you're too young from those. Your dad probably liked yeah. the Reds a little bit. Yeah, I have no idea I, if they if they ever had a winning season at all. Well, I mean, we, as far as like championships, they made the playoffs a couple of times in our lifetimes. I mean, there's some decent teams in the '90s, I think, mm-hmm. um, before Griffey got there. But no, they haven't been good. The Indians have had pockets, but no championship. So right. it, it's I can see why people gravitate and. It's a product of them winning, but they're, these teams that you're talking about are, are always on TV. Yeah. Especially yeah. like when Lions games or Browns games wouldn't sell out. You know, there's a Cowboys game on. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And the Yankees games are always on TV. Yeah. Everywhere. Um, I don't know. That's, that's, it, it is kind of weird, though, that I didn't attract any kind of local. Well, I wouldn't go with Detroit at all. Um, the bad boys, I like the bad boys in Detroit. But I was a Bulls fan then. Sure. So uh, when the Jordan rules came out, they were beating up Jordan. Oh man, I was I was mad. I was pissed. Like I was like heated. I was in high school then, so I was like, and playing basketball at the same time for Scott. Right. So I was like into it. Like no, you can't do it. Like where's the fight? Like I was like, oh man, this is that's when sports was. I was at my highest peak as yeah, far me as too. love of sports. Me too. Now it's different now. Um, especially now with the bubble. Yeah. I, I tried to watch a game yesterday. Uh was Celtics and um, who they play? Whoever they play. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember. In that vague that arena. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not that important right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, no fans. Mm-hmm. You got the virtual fans, which is funny, funny to me. Yep, me too. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy it's back. I'm happy that people have something to watch again. Right. But I keep talking to my dad about it, and he's like, hey, it's it's weird. It's it. There will be even if there's no official asterisk on these things, you will right. always remember that things were a little bit different. Do you think it'll ever get back to? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. You don't think in in uh, the 2020-2021 All Star Game will be in a, uh, a bubble arena? The All Star Game with if, the dunk contest and the three point contest. Like I could I could see the NBA. I think things will get back to normal. They, they they really will, especially maybe after the first Tuesday of November, when we have some better le- leadership. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, no, no, you're I, fine. Yeah. And um, if there's anybody that does something weird and meshes what's going, how they're running business now with the future, it'll be the NBA. You know as well as I do. I mean, these are all businesses. If yeah. the NBA feels that they can provide a better experience. Um, like maybe they'll say, we're going to only have 5,000 fans. And right. first of all, that allows them to charge more for the tickets because it's at more of a premium. Right. And then maybe they like this, this digital fan thing where you can sit on your phone and be in the arena. Um, I know they've, they've tried, they've messed around with some VR stuff before, but if there's anybody that doesn't go back to the normal, it would be the NBA and right. maybe the NHL too. credit to them for getting things up and running as, as baseball and the president, um, go for who runs the pandemic the worst. <laughs> the baseball has, has destroyed their chances of having a season this year. Yeah. It, every night I, 
I, I, talk, I was just talking to my dad today. I was like, the Phillies, Phillies play some days. They don't play other days. Right. Right. It, it's, it's funny because the Yankees are 8-1 and one right now. Yeah. And the Marlins are like 4-1. and one. Yeah. And if they shut down the season right now and by percentages, the Marlins would be in the playoffs with a bunch of players I don't even know. Right. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even know who's on the Yankee squad right now. Judge has been super hot. Judge has been what everybody wants him to be. Yeah. My fear with both him and Stanton are they're injury prone. They are. They are. That's why the last couple of years I was so disappointed. Mm-hmm. I thought we had a chance to uh, make it at least to the World Series. Right. Yeah. It's Injuries. It's hard to depend on, on, hard. And then on our, those two. Our pitching is that. Coles and who knows where. I mean, they're the most talented team by the roster in in right. their in their leagues, um, the Astros have had a lot of injuries, and you can certainly say the Yankees are a favorite. But who knows? Like if the wrong person breathes on Garrett Cole, like that's I it. Know. I but know. I, I I became like I was the typical the Yankees buy their titles person, and they and they did it for all intents and purposes. So I really liked how Brian Cashman became more analytical. Mm-hmm. I guess in the last ten years. By like getting the DJ Lemayhews of the world, right, right, um, and that's been the the crux of of their success, the success that they've had. Yeah, the last few years has been great. We didn't have to pay big money for uh, good players because we got the small players from actually the ones that weren't on uh, the big leagues. They were mm-hmm. in the, the farm teams. Yeah, it used to be the old. I remember hearing somebody say, and it was it was true. Yankees don't need prospects because when yours get really good and leave, they'll buy them. <laughs> now it's like yeah. they got a, a great discount with LeMayhew. Um, Andujar was good. He got hurt last year. Uh, Glaber Torres, I didn't think he was going to be this th- this kind of good. Right. But he's going to be around for a long time, and I, I appreciate how they brought some of these young players, and I like when things get melded with smart business and also big money. It, it's really an unbeatable combination. Hopefully they'll do something, though, with, with everything that they have. I mean, injuries, I don't know why we are so injury prone. I don't want to – I'm just trying to be – not trying to be too optimistic. Sure. I mean, the season, get, season gets, gets shut down at any time. Yeah. I'm just trying to get not get too optimistic because I don't want to ha- get my hopes up and then get let down again as a fan. Yeah, and that's why I – maybe that – people have said that's why you're not a fan. You don't want yeah. – they, they, they assess the same way. I They go with relationships and being a sports fan. You don't want to get hurt. No, I just like to be really analytical and, right. and objective. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that, though. This year could be weird. I said to my dad, uh, my dad is my, my sports person I, I talk to because it's hard for me to have like these high-level sports discussions. Right. People are like, my team's number one. I'm like, you're eighth in the SEC. You're beating Alabama at halftime. Shut up. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. Um, I said to my dad, you realize, though, like, do you remember, what, what, what baseball games do you remember from when we were kids or sports games? Sports games? What do you mean, like any sports games, like from when we were a kid, like video games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Oh, um, bases loaded. Okay, all right. Base, great example. I don't think that they had real players on those teams. They didn't have the the player association license on, right. so it was like Joe Bonds uh-huh. and Bill Griffey. Right. Like those are the kind of players that could be in the World Series. Because so many teams, like, what happens? Oh, now, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. happens if, like, after somebody, after the Yankees win the LCS, somebody goes out or somebody's in an unfortunate spot, and the, there's a there's a COVID outbreak? Mm. Like, you're dipping into like guys forty through sixty on the roster to oh, play the man. World Series, right? That could happen. Yeah. You you, you think the Marlins are going to do that now? 
Uh, they they put a bunch of guys on like the COVID list a couple of days ago that look like they're starting lineups. That's crazy. The COVID list. Yeah, there's a list now. Yeah, yeah, and all all teams have them. And wow. it was it was kind of weird because you gotta we're not used to it, but you gotta respect the players' HIPAA rights, their right to privacy. Right, right. So uh, teams would report, you know, this person isn't practicing, and the press would go, "Is there an injury?" And the coach or manager would go. You know, there's there's not an injury, so it's like, oh, okay, wink, wink, nod, nod. He right. might have tested positive. This so is the world we're in. They don't, they can't reveal that, but they can reveal an injury. Uh yeah, which they really shouldn't either, because that's also a medical violation. But right. It's just so ingrained in in our culture to be yeah. forthcoming with that stuff, and a lot of times, for the most part, uh, you see the injuries. Yeah. You see the injuries yeah, yeah, yeah. for like uh, I don't I don't know if you know, but like. Uh, what do they call it? Flu-like symptoms mm-hmm. is typically like you were out too late in South Beach. Right, right. So right. stuff like that. Oh, like the Jordan game. The yeah, game. yeah, he yeah, did yeah. did not have the flu. With the pizza stuff and all that right. nonsense. Yeah, when somebody's when somebody was partying, it's usually like they're out with flu-like symptoms. Right. So you can be a little more shadowy as opposed to that dude just got beamed in the head. He's got a concussion. <laughs> right. Yeah. Technology, man. Yeah. It's okay. We got audio. So how'd you get into podcasting? Well, yeah. Well, start me from like the middle. Like what's your regular job? My regular job is I build Jeep gladiators for a living. Look at that. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, that my, uh, my co-host, um, we don't think he's brought up the point that we don't think any exist because we've never seen any of them. Really? You haven't seen any of them? None. Wow. Yeah. They're out there. None. Yeah, it was one in the parking lot earlier today. I was looking at your logo, and I was thinking it, it looks it looks kind of Jeep like. Yeah, I think I adopted it too much. It's just in your brain. No, I, yeah, good branding for them. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. That's an awesome job. Yeah, yeah, I've been there uh, almost eight years now. What's it been like? Uh, you know, during I like to say all this. Yeah, COVID and and in, inside of a, a a plant is an incubator. Sure. Um, when we first came back, it was, it was a lot crazier because we had, um, every day somebody was either getting sick or say that they had, uh, um, somebody that they came in contact with. So it was always something going on, somebody falling out, somebody getting sick, uh, shutting down the line, cleaning the, the, the parts. And, uh, it's still like that but it's slowed down a lot. Did I, I had read a lot that, that the workers and the, uh, the union guy bomb, Baumhauer, uh, they, nobody was really impressed with what Jeep was doing to protect their workers. Is that from your perspective? Yeah. It's, um, and if you don't want to piss off your bosses, I get it. You can edit uh, this all out. No, no, it, it's fine. Uh, they, 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 they hear me every day. Okay. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's that they don't, take it seriously some right i've heard and saw uh a worker say okay i've been exposed uh this guy is sick i, I was working right next to him mm-hmm. i need to go home no yeah. you can't go home mm. uh, and don't tell anybody blah 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 you know i don't want to say the rest so do you call a union rep in that case yeah they would call the union rep and he, of course the union would come and talk to the individual and Get them out the uh, out the plant. Good. So yeah, the union are, are they're trying their best to fight back and forth with management. Sure. Uh, it's just tough. It is. It is. Um, it's tough for me to go to work every day. How come? 
because uh, of the situation and yeah. the protocols. Right, right, right. I mean, you you fill out a survey every day. Mm. Um, I have a thing at home. We uh, take you know temperature on the forehead. Um, we have uh, barriers, but on our break tables to social distance. Uh, we wear masks all day. Um, I don't really interact with with a lot of people. Did you before? No. <laughs> Sounds like me. Yeah, yeah, I'm not very social. Chat. Yeah. So yeah. this is like, ah, uh, you know, right. Same with me. Yeah. Same with me. Like uh, for the first couple of months, I, and I tried to be careful with my words on on the air and on the podcast, because yeah. um, I don't want I don't want to feel like I was rubbing it anybody in anybody's face. But it was really not all, I was still going to work. They sent a lot of people home and my co-host was remote, but I was still going in every day. And the only real difference was, you know, instead of going to the gym, um, I would just work out at home. Right. And uh, I, I had a, I, a lot of my community things were obviously shut down, but telling me to be alone, like I was counting up, I don't really see that many people during the week anyway. Right. Yeah. I, uh, before I would go home from work, go to the gym maybe. And I'd be at home. I had the podcast studio at home. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Yeah. Uh, Easy. Yeah. And that's what I did uh, during uh, we shut down. We shut down before, uh, for 60 days. Yeah. And I was at home. What Were there any uh, financial things that uh, people ran into? Because uh, no, no cars were made for two months. Did they cut pay or furloughs or anything? They, no. Well, we... we we had to get unemployment. Right. And what they did was uh, before we got the $600 extra, mm-hmm. they paid us another, what, 200 something dollars a week. Mm-hmm. Once we went back to work. They pulled that? They pulled it back. Yeah. yeah. What about like uh, like furloughs or, or layoffs because of, you know, the, no cars are being made, so they couldn't bring in any money? No. No? no well, that, that's good. No layoffs. That, that was a good thing. Yeah. I, I actually thought that was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, because we weren't making call, uh, cars in... They weren't buying cars. Right. So uh, that was a thought. It was scary at first until, um, you know, they they sent the letter and and made phone calls to us saying that, you know, uh, no layoffs are going to be made. We're going to work through it until we go back to work. Yeah. Our our company, and I've worked for, the last company I worked for was there for like 10 or 11 years. And uh, when I would hear corporate stuff, it was a lot of rhetoric and I didn't really like it. The company I work for now, Cumulus, is great. Like, I really do believe that they put... uh, it's not people over profits. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to make money, but they tried to, um, they tried to ease the, the, they wanted to put the pain on everybody across the company right. rather than just a swath of people losing their jobs. And they were kind enough and thoughtful enough. We had, uh, rolling furloughs. Like I had three intermittent weeks off mm. over the summer and, uh, they were thoughtful enough to allow those to, to allow everyone to take everybody who had to take a furlough to do it within the window of the extra income. Okay. So that was very like, they didn't have to do that. Right. right. And, they, and they did now granted it's like their unemployment insurance and the government's tipping in, but they didn't have to do that. And it was pretty darn thoughtful. And I'd, I'd rather, um, like a company go, Hey, everybody's, we're going to give everybody a 15% haircut. It's either 15%. Everybody gets 15% haircut or 15% of you go. And then everybody starts looking around. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, but these are challenging times for sure. It is. And I don't blame a, a company for uh, having to make that decision Yeah, to say, okay, we have to let some people go because it, they're not making money. Yep. What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan um, on his podcast and he had 
two restaurant owners on there. And it's sad that um, they can't open their doors mm-hmm. at all. Um, they have people who want to come, who, who they want to come back to work, but refuse to come back to work because they're making uh, the extra six hundred dollars a, uh, yeah. a week, and they're waitresses. They work on tips. My uh, my response to the people that hated those people, um, I would hope the smarter people who were doing that were like, hey, look, let me get ahead here a little bit yeah. because it's not like when we can come back, it all goes away. The, right. the financial challenges will continue. So the smart people you know, took some of that 600 and instead of maybe paying off bills or whatever, they put some away because this thing will continue. Right. As opposed to people going, they're just sitting at home making money. Right. Yeah. I would think that they will, uh, like I did when I was on, on, uh, on layoff, uh, take that money and put it into a, a savings account because we can shut down again. Yeah. And who says that the government is going to give us another $600? Yeah, exactly. So take that $600 if you want to split it in half or take the whole thing and put it into a savings for a future, uh, nest. Mm-hmm. My, uh, uh, uh friend of mine's son daughter or someone she knows maybe her her daughter's boyfriend or something he was like a dishwasher Mm. and had to go away and uh i guess he was able to pocket like four grand because he was getting the extra income from the beginning till the end like four grand for like a 19 year old kid or 20 year old kid that's a big deal and like exactly to your point it, it it helped him and again i in a lot of cases, they try to give people the benefit of the doubt. So now that kid who, you know, is in college doesn't have to continue that education, which will leave him with an immense amount of debt. And he's got four grand to play with right. to not take a gap year or screw around, but maybe maybe wants to, you know, throw two grand down in a trade school rather than 20 grand a semester for college. So some people took it, took the right advantage of it. Yeah. And a lot of people took that money and uh, took the twelve hundred dollars and took the six hundred dollars a week and started a business, mm-hmm. started a podcast, or started- is, that, is that what you did? No, I, <laughs> <laughs> I've been. I, that's what I was telling people to do, though. Like, right? if you want to start a podcast, take that money and invest it into the equipment to uh, start a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not hard to do, and that's that's your business. Yeah, you're a podcaster now. I I try to I try to do it tactfully on the air. Maybe I'll say it a little bit more abrasively here, but every time a bankruptcy comes up, and I think the most recent one was like Lord and Taylor mm-hmm. or Men's Warehouse. Uh, the 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 big one was uh, your neighbor up until well, when when you got in here, Pier One. That that oh. was one out here shut first. Um, all these places going bankrupt because of enduring COVID. Well, I have news for you: they weren't efficient. They didn't adjust for how the internet attacked them and small businesses who could do things online and be local. So they were going to go out of business regardless. It was going to be in 2022 or 2020 COVID just sped things up. And unfortunately the same thing is applicable to people. Now I know that sometimes people wind up in very unfortunate circumstances, uh, unexpected, ungodly medical bills or, or accidents, but there are also a lot of people who um, aren't smart with their money and, and don't make smart decisions. And it's the same thing with people and businesses. Um, the the smart and savvy people will go, okay, I, I have a huge problem right now. I don't have a job, but you know what? I'm going to start talking into a microphone and uh, maybe I can make some money off of it. Yeah. And the smart people will use that as like a down payment to move forward. Right. Um, Fallon Fodder has been a great example of that. I just uh, 
So on the blade today, the Polish ostrich. Mm-hmm. It, you know it? Yeah. It's a yeah. bar. I, I, they were an advertiser of ours, always talking about, you know, bar stuff. And then today in the blade, I see um, perfect example of making the best of a situation. And they're in the position to do this. Can't serve alcohol out after 10? Fine. Breakfast. Really? Breakfast. Yeah. Great idea. And I, I saw that last week during the Columbus story when um, the mayor shut said, you no, no more alcohol at a certain point and you got to close at 10. So the hours are now 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. I was like, we can go drink for breakfast. But the smart place, smart places are like, fine, we'll serve breakfast. So they'll, they'll serve a drink during, during breakfast? I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> but again, the Polish ostrich, you know, shout out to them. Yeah. The, um, I like the, the old quote, adversity doesn't build character, it reveals it. And yeah. it will... Adversity will magnify your good decisions and, unfortunately, your bad ones. And you're seeing a lot of that uh, as individuals, mm-hmm. not just as uh, as a business owner. Um, you see a lot of people complaining. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck in a house. I don't have anything to do. Uh, I got this money and I can't spend it. That's the worst thing I've heard. I haven't heard that say, Yes, I got, I'm making all this money from uh, whatever, COVID and unemployment. And I can't spend it. What do you mean you can't spend it? Why would you want to spend it? Can you not get on the internet for Amazon? You could do that. <laughs> yeah. No, they want to go shopping. They want to go party. They oh, want to. Yeah. Yeah. We, we okay. We uh, my co-host and I we have some qualms. And I asked him when stores began to reopen. Um, it was like the first couple of days Target was open, and I needed to go in there and, and get some stuff. Uh, I'm like your typical white person. I go to Target three times a week. Right. Um, <laughs> But that day, there was nobody in there, but I, you see my stuff, I like my nerd thing. So right. I veered down the toy aisle to see what Transformers were out. I didn't need to be in that aisle. The, the efficient thing to do was go in and get your stuff and get out. Right. But again, I thought, there's nobody in here, so it's, it's safe. Um, but the people who even now, uh, my, my friend works at the mall, and people are in there browsing. And those are the people that you complained about. Like they want to go spend some money now, but right. really browsing is not the thing. And I get it. If you got to get out to, to, to shake some, some good yeah. mental health loose, but you can, you still need to be safe and thoughtful, but many people aren't. I, to do my, to take care of my mental health and to, to, to get away and to think I went running. I can't run as long as I used to run because I have 43 year old knees. Sure. From playing basketball, but that's what I do. Run. Um, no shopping, no uh, traveling to Miami or Vegas or L.A. It's a I cheap hobby. I could have did that. Right. My brother lives in L.A. I could have went to L.A. the whole three months we were off work. Mm-hmm. No, I would rather be safe uh, because I have my daughter who comes over every other weekend. Be safe, protect myself and her, and find something to do in the house. Watch. Mm-hmm. Mar- I watched every single Star Wars movie from start to to finish i watched every uh marvel movie from start to finish it's funny so many people and the, the meme was kind of funny like i want to go back to work so i can start complaining about work again <laughs> but so many and i get it we were under some tight yeah tight restrictions and we were we were kind of constricted but so many people have have desired like we live in a culture where where people are working really as much as they possibly can and more than they need to. It, it, it's very challenging. Like I'm happy when I hear somebody say they only work 40 hours a week and people would kill, not a great phrase at the moment, but people would kill to have time off and time with their family and loved ones. Yeah. 
you got four months of it. You got right. you got like eight solid weeks in the house with it, yeah. and you know you you couldn't see the forest from the trees. I, I think it was uh, JJ Berea from the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Um, this was probably in May before any of the plans were were shaking out, or maybe it was it was, it was June, and uh, when some of the players were complaining about leaving their families and not seeing their families and being sequestered in a bubble. JJ Bray is like, I've been with my family for three months now. I've never been with my family three months as an adult. Right. I am ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> but people don't, people don't see what's in front of their face. Yeah. Uh, you see, and then you see a lot of people in the NBA players in the bubble leaving. Some. Yeah. And so some are allowed. They're allowed to, but why? Well, well, the the Lou Williams thing didn't have it's the perfect example of we need more context. Yeah. So the Jack Harlow pick was that was not smart on his part. Like he he's he's my, he's our age. He's thirty eight or whatever. He knows better than to let that get on the internet. Right. Um. And he he needs to smack Jack Harlow on on the head. Yeah. For letting that get out. But I will never begrudge a person for getting strip club food because <laughs> I think you know as well as I do, especially in Atlanta, some strip clubs. Are, are better steakhouses than they are strip clubs. Yeah. He was just in the unfortunate instance of getting in a picture. The wings are the killer are, are killer. Yeah. So that that's what he that's what he was getting his wings. Yep. I understand that. It's just uh it's a it's bad optics. Yeah. It's bad optics. Yeah, it looks bad. Yeah. But if if the Harlow picture didn't happen, it wouldn't have been so bad. No. If somebody would have been if Word would have gotten out that, hey, Lou Williams stopped off at a sketchy chicken joint. People would have been like, eh, not a good decision, but right. um, he, hopefully he was wearing a mask. But because the picture was there and then people, when you think strip club, you know what people think. Right. Not right. delicious food. Right. I don't think there were any strippers there, were they? I don't know. I don't, I don't think there were. I don't think there was. And I also think he's like some kind of investor in the place as well. But yeah, it was just, you know, some things he knows better than to, to let the, the optics of that get out. Right. And it wasn't Lou. It was Jack Harlow. That, who put the picture up. Yeah, who put the picture yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But the NBA's done it right so far. They have. They've done it the best. Um, last Monday. No, this past Monday, everybody pe- tested uh, negative. I know, I know, and in the NHL too. And, yeah. and granted, they've been hardcore with the bubbles, right. and it, it's harder for baseball because so there's a lot N- more people. NHL is doing a bubble. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's one in Toronto. Two locations. Yeah, one in Toronto, one in Edmonton, and it's it's. I actually kind of kind of it's neat. They've got the top four teams in each conference doing a round robin, mm. and then the teams after that are doing playoff series, and then they're going to move on. But they've had no positives. That's good. They've had no positives. Right. NFL is what I'm worried about. It's going to be a disaster. I don't think it's going to happen at all. I agree. Um, there are players who... <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. I know. You're not. If you don't play, you're not going to get paid. If you say you want to play, don't complain about what's going on. Because you said that you opted in to play. You didn't opt out. He can... If he wants. Right, but he's complaining. Yeah, it and I look, I, I my benchmark as a as what I do is being candid and authentic and genuine. And I appreciate that in him, but he has been in the league long enough to know who the fans are. Yeah. And when you say something like that, it it's the he doesn't love the game nonsense. <laughs> he Odell is a is a funny character. 
Of course, all wide receivers are drama queens. Sure. Most of them. But he's a funny character um, because he's a character, <laughs> first mm-hmm. of all. Um, he doesn't think about – I don't think he thinks about the team. He's He is an individual. He's eccentric. And I appreciate that. That just doesn't fly in football. Yeah. Yeah. Because football is more of a team – situation than mm-hmm. it is any than any other sport basketball yeah. lebron james can be lebron james no matter where he plays do you you listen to any like sports talk radio uh not a lot okay so i'm, I'm a longtime colin cowherd fan and i think i know God, colin when when uh when obj got going he said that obj is is an nba star in the nfl and that's mm. totally accurate yes his Stuff works fine in the NBA. It just doesn't work in that in in that that gritty like old white culture of yeah. the NFL. Yeah, his yeah his attitude is is not uh, a typical NFL player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's more of a look at me, look what I can do type of uh, person, personality, and player. I think he's sensitive too. Very sensitive. I mean, the the gay remarks yeah. from when he got going with the giant, like they really hurt him. <laughs> Why? From him dancing and, and wearing earrings or whatever he was. I, I think he's familiar with the the awful stigma of like black men and, and being accused of being gay. But I think it was just, um, it was pejorative to to him. He didn't, it was the first time people had gone after him and they were oh. and they weren't fans it was like people in and around the team that whispered or, or other players in the oh, NFL really yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, like i'm sure they called him the f word um yeah. for trash talk and and i think that got to him because he is a he's not that lineman or that linebacker that is just going to you know put the mouthpiece in tighter and, and hit you he has feelings and he has emotions and yeah. that's in a way um it's frowned upon in many ways in the NFL be, right. be solid. Be stoic. Be be a man. Be tough. Yeah. You don't think there's like that in the, in the NBA? To a degree. To a degree. But it's not as macho. And I think in the last five years or so, as players have embraced, you know, Instagram and other social media platforms, yeah. um, they're able to be more intimate with fans in, in some way. Right. But it's just. As you said, it's a different kind of player in that league. Right. Now, I know I remember back in uh, the 90s when we kind of grew up in football and, and, and sports, you never knew what some of these players looked like, looked yep. like at all. Yep, unless you were playing a video game. Right. You saw that picture. Yeah. You didn't know what they looked like. So mm-hmm. it, it was like they were not human to mm-hmm. us. They were superhuman. Super, yeah, exactly. So you didn't see any, any kind of emotion. The first thing that shook me – was uh was the Kobe Bryant rape thing. Yeah. And he probably I think he sexually assaulted that that girl. But I remembered that stuff vividly. And I remember at that very so remember I'm 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 from Philadelphia. Kobe was too. Right. Hated the fact uh that, you know, he became a Laker. Hated the fact that uh Oh you hated that he came became a Laker? Kind of. Well, okay, yeah, because you were Philly. I always wanted, like, those kids, like, I didn't like that Rasheed Wallace turned down Villanova to go to North Carolina. Wow. Um, so, yeah, like, I took that. I was 17. I took it personally. Right. Like, every 17-year-old does. I didn't, I guess I was a little jealous of Kobe. Um, I, I wanted him to stay around in some way. And he just so embraced L.A. But also, he was a global guy. He grew up in Italy. Right. Um, and I hate when, after he beat the Sixers, 
in the 2001 finals. It was either during the series as they were coming back or at the end when they won in Philly. He's like, I wanted to cut their hearts out. That hurt. That hurt. And and he knows that that hurts Philadelphians. Yeah. Um, years later, he apologized. He said he regretted that. But Kobe was, he was perfect. He was from Philadelphia. Um, obviously a phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. He was everything that 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 somebody our age could root for and love. Right. And then you're like, he can't rape somebody. He can have any girl he wants. Right, right. And at that point in time, earlier than I probably wanted to learn this, and we talked about this with we've talked about this on the show the last couple of days, like with Ellen. We yeah. know like half a percent of what the people we adore do in their private lives. Right. And that's why I always encourage people to be like Look for role models and superheroes because they're fictional. <laughs> right. And right. usually they're going to do good as opposed to real life humans who in many ways are pretty darn fallible because as much as, you know, they're rich and they're famous and they've got almost everything, they make mistakes. And sometimes they're awful, illegal, abhorrent mistakes. Right. And it breaks you. I, I kind of felt like that um, when The Last Dance came on. Um, I always knew the Jordan behind the scenes Jordan. He was a dick? Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. I knew that growing up watching the Bulls yeah. because I I was such a Bulls fan that I read stories. I went and found the magazines and and this was before internet, so you had to, you know, look at the magazines and and read the books, the Jordan rules and all that stuff. Um I read those books. So I knew uh what was going on behind the scenes and how he punched Steve Kerr in the face and him and Horace Grant didn't have a re- a good relationship or him and Craig Hodges and the Atlantic and- City trip. Yeah, I remember. I remember when I was a kid, um, the rumors of he he's not he doesn't go play baseball. He got suspended, and they they addressed it. It was a, a faux suspension for gambling. I right. remember those rumors. Yeah, yeah. And now, when people who are younger than us, twenty years old, twenty five years old, uh, watch the old Jordan games or watch highlights, they probably had no idea. They looked up to him as a god. Because people talked about Jordan so much, so now them looking at looking at uh, the uh, the the Last Dance is like, oh oh my gosh, this guy was a was a demon, like he harassed his teammates. Even him talking to Scotty Burrell, like, come on, Scotty, come on, come on, what you doing, don't Scotty? Be a bitch. Yeah, don't be a bitch, Scotty. Like, you don't see that in the NBA now. You won't see LeBron. Yeah, it's a different. You have to manage people who are younger than us differently now because they are the professional workforce. We talked about this in regards to the Ellen thing. Um, There's no defending like the, the the sexual inappropriate behavior and which is downright criminal. But if Ellen, if Ellen is a surly person who doesn't want to be like, Hey, don't talk to Ellen today. She's in a bad mood. And if Ellen snaps at you and as long as she's not calling you like anything, that's a downright slur. Right. We, there are people that are hard to manage and there are hard driving people, especially very successful ones like, like Jordan. And I, I'm curious if, um, how managers, how much they can be like that anymore at all these days, because everybody's willing to make an HR call. Everybody's willing to, you know, post something on the internet and maybe the Ellen stuff is maybe some people, maybe she, Ellen didn't cross the line so much as somebody had thin skin and I'm not, calling like millennials soft by any means but there are certain there are certain ways we could be coached or managed when we were growing up that that won't happen now right um like the bobby knight stuff was always over the line and crazy well 
I, I went to I went to uh, MLK uh, Elementary School. Uh, my coach was uh, Cornell Talley. Okay. He was the Bobby Knight of elementary school okay. <laughs> coaches. So I grew up like that. Uh, my dad, um, I couldn't play for him. I wouldn't. I, we played on the same team at the uh, Catholic club. But this was back when Jimmy Jackson was here uh, playing at the, at the club. And other like highly, uh, Kelvin Ramsey came, used to come back and play during the summer. So I used to be in the gym trying to play with these guys. And my dad used to be the Michael Jordan and I was Scotty Burrell. His dad can get away with that. Yeah, but that I think that it was like that a lot with other uh father, sons yeah. or coaches and players back then. Mm-hmm. You can't do that now. No. And and if you can not, I I think some of that still needs to happen. Like you've got to coach and manage people hard because in some ways that's the only way for these people to to reach their potential. Yeah. And I know because I think whether it was a fake ice tea account or not, it was a great quote. He's like, I've been your age. You haven't been mine. You don't know when you're 23 that you, you need to have, you need to be coached and managed and led a certain way. So that person who wants you to meet your potential. So while you can't manage everybody like that, I I would say there are still people that you can get in their faces. Don't touch anybody like that. It's like (laughs) kindergarten. Don't touch anybody. Right. But as a leader and a manager these days, you've got to be adept and versatile and be able to manage maybe 10 different people, 10 different ways, including getting in their face and going, your performance today was shit and I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. That's exactly what needs to happen. That's exactly what we need. Um, I know as, as sometimes I'm, I'm team leader uh, uh, at, at my job. So I know I can go to uh, Brett and say, Brett, you're doing this job wrong. You're messing up. You missed this, this, and this. He's going to say, okay, I got it. And then it's uh, another time I'll go to a different per- person uh, and say, hey, Jim, you missed these parts. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Why are you on my back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like that. Uh, now we have a very uh, reactive yeah. and sensitive uh, society with everything, with social media. That's why I don't get on Twitter. I don't, when I post YouTube videos, I don't read the comments. Mm, I did a never read the comments. I did a um, an interview with a it was a white girl who converted to uh, Islam. Okay, and we did about an hour and a half uh, podcast. This was maybe uh, a month ago. Yeah, it was on the fourth of July, third uh, of July. Um, I got a lot of comments from. Muslims who are angry at me for giving her a platform. Yeah. Because she's a white Muslim. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of positive. It's easy to be a, it's easy to be a stone thrower on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of bad comments. I, I, I've read a couple. I was, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I can't do it. I have, I have a, a theory to run by you. It's you're a single dad. Yep. Okay. I have a crack psychological theory Mm -hmm. um, about why we got where we are and what we've just talked about. So I think when we were growing up in the, in the nineties and in the two thousands, early two thousands, it became acceptable, socially acceptable, uh, beloved and welcomed and embraced for single parents Mm -hmm. where prior to that, it was 
Um, how can you let your marriage fail? And yeah. so we know so many people who, whose parents stayed together because that you just didn't, whether it was Catholicism or whatever, you just didn't get divorced. You right. made it work. Then it became acceptable when we were growing up. And here's where my theory comes in. Um, parents were kind of battling for the love of that kid. They didn't want that child who was already probably through a lot to hate them. So they maybe bent over a little more than they would have if it was two parents together in the household. So you were always kind of competing to, to one up the other parent and you created a a bit of a softer general. You created some, whoever the other guy besides Brett was like, Hey, I'm not getting on you. It's, it's my job to coach you and lead you. I'm, I'm not attacking you. And maybe he was one of these people that I'm thinking back to because mom and dad always fought for the love of him as opposed to maybe parenting him a little harder. So yeah. here we are. That's true. I agree with that 100% because I find myself doing that too. Yeah. As you know, my, my kids play sports and their mother is much more harder on them than I am. Be- maybe, maybe because I was treated a certain way. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing basketball. So I don't, I don't want to uh, put that pressure on my kids. If you want to play basketball, play basketball. Right. If you're going to play it, do it the right way. I'm not going to coach you. I'm not going to train you because if I train you, it's going to be bad. So I'll, I'll be the support, your support system. I'll let her uh, be your, 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 your whip mm-hmm. and I'll just be your support system. So I think it's, it ties into uh, how kids react uh, to certain situations. The father is not as hard on the kids as they used to be. It was teamwork when we were growing up. Yeah. It was teamwork, and the contrast to that was, go ask your father. Go yeah. ask your mom. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, they did it this way, so I got to make sure I don't. And, and, right, or and, she's not going to do it. Okay, I'm going to do it then. And yeah. then kids get more of what they want. They don't get told, like like Michael Jordan as an, as an executive and early on owner of the Hornets, no one told him no. Yeah. So his team stunk, and now you've got some kids who feel like they're being attacked when it's it's really just, in many cases, constructive criticism. Yeah, I've learned that personally with my son. Um, before he left for the Air Force, um, he stayed with me for uh, six months before he left. And um, after he graduated, he quit his job. I don't think he minds me telling me the story. Uh, <laughs> but he quit his job. Okay. And... Uh, I was like, you know, you got you got to do something. You got to work. You got to do something. Right. Um, I was never. I told him, okay, you can work. Take your money. You don't have to pay bills. I pay all the bills anyway. Don't pay the bills. Don't pay me any money. But you have to work. But he quit his job. After he quit his job, I was like, okay, you got to do something. Go to school. Go to the military. Okay. So he's trying to make up his mind where he wants to go. Um, then he graduated. Uh, he got a little bit of money for graduation, of course. And I said, okay, I fixed your phone um, and just give me something towards uh, a bill since you're not working. Mm -hmm. You have to have some kind of responsibility. Your your responsibility before was going to work. Now that you're not working, you got a little bit of money, just give me a couple hundred dollars to pay whatever, the cable bill. Okay. So he got his money. Uh, He left that weekend, went to his cousin's house. They went to the mall and they spent some money. And he should have been paying you. Yeah. So 
Uh, he came back the next uh, that next weekend and said, uh, "I said, hey, you got that money for the cable bill? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to the bank. Okay, we mm. hop in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Let's drive to the bank. We're driving to the bank. Okay, you want to go through the drive through? You want to go in? Oh, I want to go in. Of course, you want to go in. Right. So he goes in. He comes out like, oh man. I said, what's wrong, Jordan? Um, the bank doesn't have your money. Exactly. <laughs> they ran yeah, out. They uh, they said somebody used my card <laughs> <laughs> on Uber Eats or whatever course, on Uber. Good try, Jordan. That's his name. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Jordan. Good good try. Uh, so I was like, what? Yeah, they they used my card on Uber Eats or Uber and, and spent all the money. It's gone. Ah. Uh, I said okay. So. Couple of days passed. I said, "Did you, you know, you file the uh, the thing to get your money back, and you know, file a complaint? Um, they usually, you know, refunded your money within yeah. twenty four hours, and uh, they'll just file a claim. And if it goes through, uh, you keep the money. If not, they'll take the money back." Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. So he leaves again, goes over his cousin's house. So I'm like uh, texting him, like Jordan, you know what's going on. So he was like, oh, I don't know. Is that, they're not giving me the money back. Craziest thing. The bank, it went out of business. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I, I said, Jordan, I saw the receipts. Uh, you bought video games. Uh, <laughs> you bought like two pairs of Jordans. And so he got upset. I, no, no, before he got upset, I said, Jordan, your only responsibility was to give me the money for, to fix your phone and pay the bill. Like you couldn't do that. Like you, 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 you're slacking on your responsibilities. You know, something simple. Now I wasn't harsh. I didn't cuss at him or nothing like that. And he got upset because he did something wrong. He, but he did something wrong, and I don't. I didn't usually chastise him for anything because I was a lenient dad. Mm-hmm. I was because of their mother is a very strict and uh, very uh, rules oriented person which is you know that's good yeah kids need that but i was always okay play video games i don't care whatever so this was this was actually probably the first time that i really got on him that was weird for him it was weird for him so he was like oh you terrible you're terrible dad okay take your stuff and get out you threw him out i threw him out wow he came back okay but for that what two three weeks he was out my my dad wouldn't have done this, but he would have said something like this. Um, he would have said, you know what? Because you were dumb enough to let me find the receipt, I'm tacking on double what you owe me. <laughs> my dad probably would have just made me, would have made me walk, do a walk of shame, yeah. would have walked with me to like finish line or wherever and be like, my son would like to return these <laughs> shoes. He didn't pay his daddy for the bill. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he would have t- took you to the bank. And no, <laughs> but I had some, so here's my story like that. Um, and then we can, we can weave back around. You can answer the question of how'd you start doing all this? Cause, um, it, so I went to three, I was, I, when I graduated high school, high school, I went to Towson university in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Didn't like it. Came home, went to temple. And, uh, I had, uh, I had a contact at the radio station. I grew up listening to reached out to him. I was like, Hey, um, I want to do some radio. And he's like, Hey, c- come on by. This is before paperwork and stuff. And I would just hang out at the station that summer i got i got hired and was there every day and then that fall when uh the fall semester of school started the third and final semester i was enrolled around october i stopped going to class and i was going to the radio station Mm -hmm. every day 
I would literally, I would drive to school and go, yeah, rather go to the radio station. Right. Um, and then in December of, I guess it was, yeah, it was December 98, December of 98, I'm getting ready to walk out the house on a Saturday afternoon and my dad and my dad's like, Hey, the males here, your, your, uh, whatever they, the transcripts or whatever they call your grades for college, your, your grades are in yeah. and my head sunk. And I was like, I can, <sighs> I can run and never come home again. Right. Or I get, my dad was, he would always let me be honest with him. Um, I said, dad, I haven't been to class since October and I could, I, I think back and go, he knew. And he said, okay, I, I said, there's no reason to open it. It's zero. I mean, if I got anything more than a zero, then somebody missed something. Somebody missed a number. He said, okay, you've got six months to make this radio thing work or back to school. Mm. And in June of 99, I moved out to Detroit and, you know, been rolling ever since. How did you do all, do all this? Wow. Uh, that's a good story. <laughs> my dad tells it better. Like w- when we were up and running as a show, I would have my dad on once every couple of weeks. He's got some great stories about me. His favorite one he likes to tell is I was afraid to go to school on the school bus when I was a kid. My mom was fed up with me hating that. So my mom, I r- run home one day and my mom called my dad and said, I'm done with it. You deal with it. My dad came all the way home from work. Um, and found me hiding in the closet and wow. walked me to school. He wow. loves telling that story. Well, my story is, um, this was in 95, in my, my junior year in high school. Um, I needed uh, a block uh, to just just an extracurricular block at, at school. Scott had a radio station. So 88.3 was the... Uh, the high school affiliate to WXUT at uh, at uh, Toledo University, the University of Toledo. So I started doing the uh, uh, radio station just because I was in the class. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Klusha was the teacher. He was like, uh, "You have a good radio voice." I do. I don't. I don't even like my voice. It's too deep. You know, back then I was like, you know, I don't want to be like. Sound like my dad all over the phone. Right. But uh yeah. Uh I ninety five, ninety six I did on air from uh four till no, from twelve to four. Um and I stopped, graduated from high school, didn't do radio, didn't do anything. Uh I started doing graphic design. Did you go to college? I went to Owens for microcomputer business systems. Okay. That job does not exist. <laughs> What what should that have turned into? I think it was ne- uh, some kind of networking okay. uh, job. But um, I did that. I didn't like it. It was boring. Um, I did some HTML, started doing websites for people, started doing graphic design. Um, that was fun. I started my music studio because my dad was a musician. He was in, always in the studio. So I was always into music. I started a music studio, Project 360 Studios. Um, I did that for a while. Um and then uh, I, I started working at Jeep. <laughs> before No, actually, before I started working at Jeep, I worked at 89.3 Yes FM. Okay. I did that. The religious station, right? Yeah. In yeah. the South End. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I did that for six months. And, uh, no, not your thing? It wasn't my feel. It didn't, sure feel, I get it. <laughs> it didn't feel right. It was radio. Right. Because I was always attracted to radio because of music and everything. But I started doing the 419 grind as a... Uh, website as a blog okay 
I would do interviews with local musicians. I wouldn't be uh, on the camera at all. It was just they would answer questions, and I would film it and then put it together with some music behind it, five-minute video, ten-minute video, throw it up on the Internet, on YouTube, and that was it. Sure. Um, then I started thinking, oh, it's got to be something different, podcasting. So I started doing research on podcasting, whatever. Um, actually, I started. I, I made this logo back in 2017. Okay. Didn't do my first podcast till 2019. Okay. Because um, I didn't know what to do. I just wanted to do a podcast. I just didn't know how to do it. So I started looking online. Uh, Jared Poland is a photographer uh, that I follow on um, on YouTube, and he posted the Rodecaster Pro. I said, like, oh, my God. That's, that's his perfect. mixer? Yeah. That's perfect. What is that? Uh, it's a podcasting machine, basically. So I looked it up, bought it, and said, okay. How much was it? $600. Was it? Yeah. So is there a hard drive in here? Like, how does that export? Uh, it has a flash drive in the back. Got it. Okay. Uh, it processes everything. Okay. Yeah. It, it sounds much better than the headphones than I expected to. Yeah. It's, mics are processed really well. It's great audio quality. Yeah. It, it processes everything right, right there. I don't have to do any post-production or anything. Unless I want to add something. Mm-hmm. But uh, it does all the processing. I'll say, that's perfect. I don't have to do any extra work. Uh, just talk, have conversations. I'm not a people person at all. I'm not a person to have, sit Neither in. am I. Yeah, but this right here is different. Mm-hmm. It has a different feel. You have to be on. Yeah. There is a, there's an, it's a super old line. I don't even know if it's true, but I think Ed McMahon used to say about Johnny Carson, uh, good in front of 100, but bad in front of 10 he yeah. wanted to perform and be on is this what this is yeah, yeah you have to be on yeah and, and i don't understand why it works for me though it's just you it's just something innate like michael jordan can't tell you why he's so good at basketball like why he has those skills right. other than hard work well b- before hard work like you were gifted like you like we all have something innate inside of us and right. you know things turn on and, and you, like people always ask me um how are you so awake? Like at like whatever time, whether it's a video or they hear us on the air. I'm like, well, I really don't have a choice. It's not the kind of job where I can show up late because right. bad things will happen. So I just turn it on. Right. And you're like on go from the beginning. Have to be. Right. Yeah, have to be. Yeah, that's why I listen to you because it, it makes me go because I'm in my car at 445 and I'm on my way to work. So I'm, thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah. I've been listening. You were before you were on 105.5. On Morning Rush. Yeah, the yeah, Morning Kiss. Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I first heard you. You and Megan. Megan. Megan and Sarah and Demetrius. Sarah. We had a lot of, I mean, there were a lot of iterations of that show. And yeah. then uh, Sarah left. And then um, I can tell you now easily if, if you want to know what happened with yeah. all that. So um, it's a big corporation obviously and iheart has like 20 billion dollars in debt they're always looking to to save money as right. most companies are um there was a guy in the the guy that does the morning show now on kiss his, his name is mojo and i i know him fairly well i worked in that cluster worked against him many years ago when i first moved to detroit he's wonderfully talented but he knows who he and everyone who he works for knows who gets everybody paid he had always wanted to be syndicated. He'd always want to have a bigger network of his show. And the show is very good. It, it's not it's not successful by accident in Detroit. Right. It's I think they've been on the air now. Like they've had, just had a 20th anniversary. It's a damn good show. He was kind of miffed that he, do you know the name Elvis Duran? Yeah. 
from Z100. Elvis is on dozens of stations. Right. Um, Mojo wanted the company to treat him more like that. So knowing that that was always the case, uh, there's always realignments of like who Toledo was working with. We were working with Col- for with Columbus for a long time. Um, I really liked working with people there. Then they they shifted us up to Detroit, and um, I was like, oh, this is great. We can work closer with Mojo, exchange content ideas and all that stuff. And right. he was he would do some coaching calls with um, Sarah, Megan, and Demetrius, and, and myself and I. And then in that de- that December of sixteen, when they shifted us up there, all those emails to Mojo got real quiet, <laughs> and I started getting treated like with a cheese grater by the bosses up there. Right. So um, the day I got let go uh, was one they were able to save a lot of money, and Mojo was able to get another station that was reasonably close, and uh, Megan was fortunate enough to to get to stay, and it helped her in a lot of ways. Uh, but I remember when my market manager and my programming manager was handing me the envelope. I'm like, guys, it's totally cool. Like I, I was like the first person that that knew that something like this would happen. I was like, guys, it's totally cool. I get it. I understand this has nothing to do with you. Um, and then I had a three month non-compete and I had some friends help connect me with Cumulus and I had to bang on that door really hard. And then it, it, it took a a long time and, and things are still, fluid and we're still trying to improve things. And I, I still want the station to be, um, a bigger station in the market and right. pull people away from kiss. But in December of 18, I got to have some semblance of the show back on with myself and Floyd. And it's not unintentional that the morning reboot TMR matches up with TMR, the morning rush. Yeah. That was intentional. You, so you, you came up with the show, the reboot. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I figured the reboot was a cool word because what do you do every morning? Yeah, you, you reboot. You boot that computer up again. But I really wanted TMR in there. Right. So. Yeah. I, it's it's funny that, that you uh, – I, I was looking for you. I, what happened to Eric Chase? What happened to the show? Like, and then there's Mojo in the morning. I'm yep. like, okay. So I'm like, I, I didn't know where you were. Yeah. I, I was – I, I live I, I lived down town which was right across the street from the station so i was i was literally right across the street all the people that like there was no animosity at, at, at all and maybe one day mojo and i will connect and we'll we'll talk it out and um you know again i i made the best of my situation right um but all the people that who i didn't work with anymore would see me out walking the dogs and how are you doing I'm like i'm great i'm great so and yeah. and it, i was i needed i needed a guide because I don't have a, so there's one line of thinking that your plan B and C really, especially in today's world with so many people having just lost their job, plan right. B and C need to be as powerful as plan A. Yeah. And that can be hard to do. I heard a Tom Brady quote, ironically, during, before the Eagles Super Bowl, he's like, I don't have a plan B. I was going to do everything fucking possible to make plan A work. And that's kind of my mantra. And, but in the days after getting let go, so many people reached out to me and there was a common theme. Everybody thanked me for talking about my mental health struggles on right. the air. And I don't even think I did it a lot. Not certainly not as much as now, but people reached out in all different ways. I saved all the, I saved all the messages. I've had like count, I had counselors say, because of you, I have had people come in and say they heard you on the radio and you motivated them to come to me or um, moms have said, you helped me get through to my teenager who was going through a mental health crisis. Right. And I was like, okay, 
So one, I have to stay here in Toledo because I've I've done something. I've affected people. Yeah. I don't want to go to another radio market and start start all over again and and have the same thing happen. So one way or another, I'm staying in Toledo. It's as you know, cost of living is wonderfully inexpensive. Yeah. yeah. And um I, I still had work to do. So I did a lot of community stuff. I wanted to uh to, to keep to, to go further into mental health speaking. And I did, and I wanted to do even more of it um, in some lucrative ways. But now I work with the Lucas County Suicide Prevention Coalition. We're always going into schools, talking to kids, uh, which I love to death because my, my uh, she's our chair, our executive director. Her and I have a great rapport with kids because they probably think somebody's walking in with a suit and you get this. Right, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and Jen, sometimes with her daughter, um, I do stuff with NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and I, freak, I, I regularly get asked to do a lot of you know mental health speaking, and sometimes I'm like, God, I have nothing to say to these people, or I'm not doing a good job, and then I have to remember that just me talking about it, right? Um, normalize it, normalizes it for people. So if I and I, I never say, here's how you're going to feel better, or here's how you're going to get better. Um, all I endeavor to do because I am not a, a counselor by any means. I just have experiential things and 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 some some one hundred and one psychology and cognitive behavioral therapy things that I've read over the years to help myself. Right. All I want to do is get you feeling like you want to help yourself. Um, I can't be your counselor. I can't be your psychologist. I just want to let you know it's okay for you to go talk to somebody so you can so that person can help you. Right. So. You uh, it, it, it's funny because um, a lot of us deal with mental health, yeah, and won't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, not knowing that us talking about it can help whoever, somebody listening, somebody who knows you who didn't know that you were dealing with it. Yeah, um, men don't talk about it. Nope. Not enough, especially uh, our uh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. my my friend Janet. Her name is Jen Wakefield. She's our, our director for the Lucas County Suicide Prevention Coalition. We don't have a shorter name, and we don't have a good acronym. It sucks. Right. <laughs> um, we know all those numbers, and it's kind of been weird now to see to be on this for like three years. I'm like, damn, I'm I'm really aging into the to the danger area, yeah. which is like men in their men in midlife, um, usually white men, because. Um, when you're talking about people of color, often they have deep connection to religion. And I know right. it's, it's very against killing yourself. Like, I guess. Right. Yeah. 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 White guys will just jump in front of a fucking car. Right. I'm sure you see it plenty with people you deal with. Yeah. And the reason why it's, you know, forties and fifties is their kids have grown up. Their kids don't need them as much anymore. They might be on their second or third marriage. So they got into a point in life where they don't have a lot. And these white people who are not as deeply connected to religion as Spanish people, black people, whoever, um, they don't have that religious or spiritual connection, so they will kill themselves. They are at extremely high risk. But to your point, we have, we have this slide, and I'm like, Jim, we got to change this because literally, like, everyone's on this list. Like, everyone is is can deal with some kind of mental health struggle, depression. Right. I'm going <clears> to <throat> throw something at you. Um, there was a girl on our show. Do you remember uh, Philip who was on the show? Philip. Philip. Yeah, Black yeah, guy, yeah. dreads, yep. um, often naked now on the internet. He just moved to London. He's the guy that moved to London. Okay. So uh, Philip found us this uh, this girl named Jante. They worked together at Apple. And she wasn't on the show with us much, <clears throat> but uh, we got her in the radio and she's great. She works over at the art museum now. Love her to death. Um, 
It was when that that older guy went around that Cleveland on a Sunday afternoon and shot people on Facebook Live. Right. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously it was harrowing to watch because that was one of these things where like nobody had a delete button on Facebook right. at, at Facebook headquarters and they just sat there. And uh, Ijante and I, she's black, if I didn't say that, um, we were we were talking about this and like how do we, we're just kind of game planning the show the next morning. And she said, black people don't talk about uh, mental health. I said, you're going to say that on the air tomorrow. And if you don't say it, I will make you say it. And when you say it, you're going to talk about it because we can't because right. we're not black. Yeah, You bring it up. And uh, I know it's a challenge. Like when we go to, uh, when Jen and I go to Woodward, a lot of kids are sleeping when we're sitting there talking. Really? Yeah, it's it's tough. Like our upbringing, and we should we should be the 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 people who talk about it the most for all the oppression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if that's what you're dealing with, talk, talk about, about it. it. So my partner Victor, uh, Victor Coleman, he we had this conversation before when we did our first our first ep- uh, podcast together um, about how we don't talk about it as black men. We don't talk about mental health. And we deal with it more than probably anybody. How come? How come you think that it's not? Spo- I, I because give you the- it's a stigma, right? Sure, well, obviously, but what causes this the stigma? Because I, I talk about like the, the spiritual connection to not wanting to kill yourself, which is actually perversely good, right? So that you can stay in in in, in the world, but you don't get help. It's that we are trained or taught to be tough. Yeah, we are taught to deal with it and shut up. Yeah. Just deal with it. There, you, don't show emotion. That's not what you do as a black man. You are strong. Yeah. Um. You are not. You don't. Do, you don't talk about depression. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about your feelings. You don't talk about your feelings at all. Um. You deal with it. You don't cry. You don't show emotion. You you just be stone faced and be a man. You be a man and you deal with it. That's that's the, that's a the statement right there. Be a man and deal with it. Yeah. And me. I'm an emotional person. <laughs> um, I deal with it all the time. Um, growing up as a t- as a kid, as a teenager in high school, as an adult having kids, as a man who uh, was married and now divorced, um, who's dating, trying to date now. I deal with emotion. I deal with uh, mental health. That's why I go out and run. Uh, it's been a while since I've talked to a counselor, but I know that I have uh, things in my past that I need to deal with. I'm not in denial of it. I will talk about it. I talk about it all the time at work. We're gonna, we're gonna, Jen and I are gonna take you to Woodward next time we go. Oh no, because for for real, like we we connect to to most of these kids, but I real I don't like going to Woodward, and it. It, it, I think you know that I'm not hateful or uh, yeah. racist in any way. Right. It's just that it's these, a connection. These kids don't want to hear yeah. a white guy, even with a Black Panther shirt. Right. I wouldn't wear a Black Panther shirt because right. I don't want the th- them to think I'm pandering. Right, right, right. But these kids don't like. No, I understand. Yeah. It's a connection. Yeah. Um, that's why I talk to my kids about it because I know, I know they wouldn't understand it from anybody else, especially as a parent. Sure. I'm going to talk to my kids about it. So. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't mind talking to uh, the youth uh, about dealing with mental health because we don't talk about it, and it's bad. Somebody's got to kick this door down, and it's been yeah. it's been knocked on the last three years from Demar Derozan 
Yeah. And a couple other NBA players who I can't think Chris, of off the Chris Bosch talked about it. Chris Bosch, yeah. Um, Kevin Love, I think, started it, but it, yeah. it, it doesn't count when you're white in some ways. Like the black community's got to get into it. And when yeah. DeMar DeRozan and other NBA players, Adam Silver was aware of it um, during the shutdown. He's like, we got to worry about, you know, we, the bubble thing is hard. We got to worry about the mental health. And that's why they're, I appreciate the NBA because they're so progressive in so many ways. Let me ask you this. Um, with the black community bottling that up, and it, it's funny, whenever I hear some idiotic lie of, uh, women saying women don't like when men call them too emotional or anything like, I'm like, hold on yeah. a second. As you just illustrated, I don't care what color your skin is. Humans are emotional. Yeah. So knowing that the black community doesn't talk about it and the bottling up of it, how much does that affect, um, the societal landscape of things, whether it's like, sexual or domestic violence in black families community violence well uh i think it, it plays a big part of course because there's no outlet even with kids growing up um there's nothing in the community for uh some for a kid who's dealing with a single parent home they only have their mother at home mm -hmm. they don't have a male figure to go to uh to say uh i feel this way I don't have my dad to go to to say, uh, what do I do in this situation when I'm dealing with a girl or dealing with uh, this boy at school who's messing with me? Or if I'm feeling sad because my dad isn't here. Or, or Heaven forbid it's a sexuality issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another issue that we that, that we don't talk about. Going back to the OBJ thing. Yeah, that's, that's, that is like, that's dogma. Yeah. We don't talk about sexuality as far as, uh, oh, oh. Oh, well, you either you, fucking bitches or you're, you're fucking nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Especially when it comes to a father. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to hear about it. No. Who was it? Oh, God. Was it? It was it, it, it was Kevin Hart. Yeah. I don't want my son bringing home no gay dude or something he said like that. He's going to smash his son over the head yeah. with the Barbie doll. And, like, and I remember that was like 2010 or 11. Doll. Like, this is not going to age well. And yeah. Yeah. He probably still feels that way, but. Um, yeah. Of course he, he feels that way, but you, you know. You can't say it, dude. No. He, <laughs> cancel culture is strong. Yeah, but I, it would be interesting to dive deeper into because um, with the mental health aspect, we, we don't talk about it when it comes to so much in the black community and people are, you know, look, let's talk about, let's talk about like the sketchier neighborhoods of where we live this morning. Look, white people do dumb, bad things and violent things all the time too, but there, there are black communities and, and there is and a lot of it's gang driven violence. Right. Um, I have some police officer friends and I'm like, help me give an answer to people. Why don't you do more? He's like, people won't talk. The neighborhood will not talk to us. Yeah. And for the obvious reasons, right. um, you don't want to snitch, you don't trust the police, so on and so forth. But I do wonder if within the black community where things might be sketchy, dangerous, whatever you want to call it. Like this morning, and I don't know if it was black or white, but there were some weird car crashes Somebody was tailgating somebody else. It was like when you were waking up. Somebody was tailgating somebody else, and that car got driven into a house, and the guy ran. I don't know if it was black or white, but I think it was in, in, a, in a I think it was in a black neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I just wonder if in some of these neighborhoods, granted, there is systemic oppression, and there are certain things we have some things we need to have a change. But I wonder if some of these more violent instances or just these these acts of people acting a fool wouldn't wouldn't be lessened 
by knowing that they have an outlet and they, they should talk about what's going on with you. That's exactly what then it is. Then you won't act like an idiot. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. We They don't have uh, that space to be free to think and, and to say how they feel or what they're going going through. Uh, that's, one, that's one thing that uh, I talked about with somebody else about people want to say defund the police because of what's going on. No, I say fund the community. Yeah. Where it needs to happen. Um, I don't want to upset anybody when I talk about welfare, but that's something that needs to be reformatted. Sure. Welfare. Because we are we put a system in place to where uh a family or a person can depend on the government to raise their family. So they're stuck in the system. They have free housing. Mm-hmm. Or a minimum payment That's of section eight stuff, right? Right, and they get a check from the state or the government, and they get food stamps. Mm-hmm. Why would I leave that? Right, if I'm comfortable. Yeah. Why can't there be a system in place to where okay, you don't have a job, um, we'll assist you for a while, we'll put you through a vocational school, we'll give you some counseling. Give your kids counseling so they will change how they feel and think about society. Um, help you get into college or a trade school and get you a job. Work your way out from the projects or Section 8 into housing that you can pay for yourself. Yeah, you're right. That would change uh, not just the parents thinking, but the kids. Okay, my, my dad's or my, my mother is doing this to progress and to make their lives better. So I won't end up. Uh, okay, my dad ain't shit. My mom, my mother ain't shit. So I'm gonna go out and join this gang who loves me, right? Yeah, who's gonna take care of me, um, and that way I can make money by selling drugs and make my kids' life better. That's that's the thought. And I'm sure many of those kids that you described, like they don't expect to live to forty, right? It's yeah. it's like centuries. That's, centur- that's, that's it's like insane. Ce- it's like centuries ago, like when you were thirty, you were old, right? And to zoom out. Not that anybody's thinking, don't ever have that racist white dude on your podcast ever again. (laughs) Um, But to zoom out, to your point, um, improved social services and and social support would help every culture that struggles. It would help the east side of Toledo. Right, yeah. I'm not just talking about uh, black people when I say this. I'm not bashing our people or anything like that. It's just it's everybody who could yeah. anybody who could use the help because the the family that you just described is a white family too right. maybe over in on the east side or in South Toledo somewhere it's anybody who is oppressed by a system of inertia it's what you just described has been in place for decades right and just as we see you know it's hard to get things done right and those are those are unfortunately very important causes that would have a lot of impact it just takes a lot of people on the same page and probably not that much of a financial resource when you really zoom out on it well it is you know why because the the i don't want to talk or sound too uh political but it's your podcast you can say whatever you want <laughs> yeah that's true but the uh to me the democratic party uh, leans on uh, welfare and programs like that to make money, okay, to fund themselves. That's the way of keeping 
a certain demographic oppressed oppressed while they get so it's like like the republican party you think of as like old rich people who lobby and and sustain things and ceos right and the democrats lean on the poorer community while they give them welfare but they also funnel some money other other money yeah yeah right. I've, I've never heard that before but it makes total sense yeah I mean, pol- politics sucks it's it, it it sucks bad that's why <laughs> i don't affiliate with any party i mean i vote every year yeah I just don't affiliate myself as a Democrat. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican because I don't believe everything that both, you know, I'm not. It's hard to have a coverall. Yeah. Feel like I, I, I vote on social issues because we'd all like to pay less taxes. Exactly. Like nobody likes having, like you ask a Democrat or Republican, they'd all like to pay less taxes. Right. Um, now where those taxes go loops back to social things. But I, I got to a point in my life where it's like, well, there was a, a common term in the 2000s, like uh, socially liberal, fiscally conservative. Well, uh, like that's everybody. Yeah. Like everybody wants to try to save a little bit of money and be smarter about their money. Right. But I, I vote for social causes, which always lean towards Democrats. Cause yeah. I, and it, it sounds like a dumb Facebook argument, but like I like to think I'm a pretty decent human. And I think it's, it's not political to think about treating people fairly and appropriately. Right. I think there are values in both parties. There are, are good values in, in both parties as far as uh, social issues with the Demo- Dem- Democratic Party and uh, economic issues with the Republican Party that I totally agree with. Then there's things that are far left and far right that I'm like, OK, I can't I can't agree with it. So I'm not going to vote uh, specifically Democratic or Republican because that's what it is. I vote on issues and that's it. Yeah. And I was thinking about this today. Um, The presidential election is inconsequential to most people's daily lives, but because there's a social media star in the white house. Now Mm. everybody on Facebook, like very few people like will have a long Facebook rant about mayor caps cabbage. Right. They'll complain about like the tax thing and stuff, but nobody is going to go, I saw the mayor out today and blah, 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 like, no, but the president, like that's yeah. how he stokes thing. So if we didn't all have Facebook, it wouldn't, we might not be so uh, extreme because the important things are exactly what you talked about. Like you're a thousand percent more affected by local elections, which happen every year, sometimes yeah. twice a year, as opposed to once every four years. Yeah. Do you, do you really believe that, um, the person in in the White House determines what happens uh, as far as on Stickney. Yeah. No. Yeah. In 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 very esoteric ways, like he has clearly, and I don't even think it's him. I think he was a a mice a, a maestro mm-hmm. of seeing what was going on, playing to it. And getting to the White House. Yeah. He saw that people were angry and upset. And that and and we've always been this way. We just all see it now because it's on social media. Right. And it, it it's an echo chamber, but it really it's like a magnification chamber and it's like a mushroom cloud. The like he does not affect those people, but he certainly um and whoever is in the in the White House, because they have that platform, can affect the overarching feeling. Like when we had the uh, the Floyd protests here, right? 
Um, I don't think that there would be as many counter protesters telling BLM people and their supporters that they're wrong if he's not in the White House right. stoking some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ignited a lot of uh, uh, a lot of force against uh, the protesters, even with the police. Mm-hmm. Saying that okay, they they need to be shot, they need to be whatever, uh, ran over, run them over. Like okay, well, really, you're the president of the yeah. United States of America. You're telling police officers to to shoot and run over protesters. Yesterday, said the Beirut thing was an attack. Like within a half an hour of it happening, he said that. Yeah, <laughs> not knowing the fact that this this issue has been going on for six years. It was it was like a bad energy facility, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, they stored. Bad stuff and and yeah. shouldn't have been together. He said it was an attack. And it was out of code and uh, an attack. Yeah, that's how knowledgeable he is. It, it, Tremendous know, job, Mr. President. It's amazing because I, I I agree that it, there's something like I can be authentic and candid and ruffle some feathers, but you can't be in that position. No. And and I I always say like it's it's a mate when he did a uh, when he was in town and Lee Conklin did an interview with him at the the last time he was at the Huntington Center. I was like, can't that guy be the be the fucking president? Like, can't that be? He was. He answered with decorum and was respectful of Lee's questions. Right. And I was like, what? you know why? Because Lee Conklin was not a national. Yeah, he didn't have to show anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He wasn't playing that part. Yeah. He was just being Donald Trump at the time. Yeah, and, and if if he would really not tweet and say <laughs> some of those provocative, like if yeah. if he went with what his political beliefs were we have to accept that yeah um we can change it every four years but if you would just not be so bombastic and tweet um it would be okay like i i know like they all have their 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 pock marks um and i'm not when, when it comes to hillary clinton i'm not talking about like weird conspiracy theories or anything like right. that and when somebody the other day said um, would it be any better with Hillary Clinton? I was like, yeah, you know why? Because I don't have to worry about waking up at 3 a.m. to a tweet yeah. that set Twitter on fire from Hillary Clinton. Right, right. It's as simple as that. Yeah, people don't understand that. They look at him as, okay, he's the president. He can do whatever he wants to do. I'm like, no. That, he can, but he shouldn't. Because if Obama tweeted anything close to what Trump has been tweeting not, uh, the last four years, there will be... Uh, he will be in trouble. The people that there are people that that I don't know who these people. I I don't know where this came from, but we've never seen anything like this presidency ever. Not in our right. lifetimes. Um, it was just you know a politics, and we get into it every four years or whatever. There were white people saying that Obama caused this divide, <laughs> and I'm yeah. how right. I, right. I, I don't and though if Obama tweeted like Trump did, but on the other side of things, you would have all those crazy-ass white people with their guns, Todd and Bedford, storming oh, right. the gates of the White House. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, what was I going to ask you about uh, election stuff, Trump things? I forget what I was going to ask you a question. Obama, Trump, Hillary, I forget what it was. I apologize. So many, so many no, great thoughts. Good, but it's, 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 whenever I read anything now, I don't. I know that Biden is ahead, and I know we couldn't trust the polls for you. Like I don't say no to anything now uh-huh. because we truly live in a world, especially when it comes to elections and politics. Well, why not? I mean, I never thought he'd get elected. I always said, "Great for the election, bad for the presidency." Donald Trump. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, it yeah. was neat. Like Because that means that anybody can be president. To me. With, with Trump making it into office, the way he did, to me, tells me that anybody can be president. Because he has no political background at mm-hmm. all. He has no what he has a college degree in what? I don't know, but he has a lot of failed businesses and he's got the the scam that was Trump University. You're you're right, but anybody uh he did have financial resources. Yeah. Um so you can do that. And again, I don't think he, I think he's a creation of the culture and he preyed on it. He's not the creator of it. He just saw an opening. He's like, I'm just going to go be Donald Trump and say, somebody's doing the raping. Um, <laughs> and he's going to speak for the person that that felt like they were being pushed aside. They were they were losing white America. Well, sorry, that's been happening for 250 years. Yeah. Um, he had those resources and he came, as, came off, he tried to say, or people label him as a populist. And I've always associated the term populist with someone who would lean more liberal right. and fight for the union types. Right. But I guess anybody who could potentially feel like they're marginalized, and as we've talked about, it can be a soft culture, uh, perceived slights. It's not the populism that I know, but I mean, good good for him. In a way, you've got to, you got to applaud it. And as I hear Colin Coward say all the time, he pl- play to your base, play to your strengths. And there's never been anyone in politics that has played that, that I'm aware of that has played to their strengths like Donald Trump, and it could scarily win him another election. Yeah, that's that's the scary part. Another four years of of Trump. Do we get another four years of Trump, or do we get silent Biden? I'll take that. And the other You'll take what silent Biden. I'll I'll take going going. People would say, was it was it any better before? I'm like, yeah, because it wasn't this chaos. Yeah. And we weren't at each other's throats like this. Can't we just go back to, oh, shit, nothing ever gets done. Right. I would rather complain about that. Yeah. Right. And unfortunately, that's what, that's the, the lane he saw. Like, all the mm. things he, he, like, three miles of wall built and all this other shit. Like, he just said shit and he played to the base. I, but I would rather go back to nothing will ever get done, but we're not at each other at each other's throats. But I think Biden is... um intentionally silent yeah in this way he he's he's not getting baited by trump in fact i wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a debate at at all between them Mm. um and any other time you'd go it's the presidential election they have to debate oh yeah well donald trump's in the fucking white house so again why not (laughs) but but biden is only campaigning for biden he's not campaigning against trump per se yeah he's not he's not letting trump bait him which has, Somebody said that I was listening to a, a radio show and they were saying that Biden is not coming at Trump. You know how this time of year it will be a war. Yeah. On 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 the uh, uh, on the political ads, and you'll get tired of. Oh my, I'm so tired of these ads. But now you don't see Biden, but that one ad that he's doing with Obama. Trying and to he th- just put that out. Trying to come up with a good with the best possible sports analogy, and. I think the best one I can come up with, and thank God we're around the same age and you're a Red Wings fan. Um, whenever they lost to the Devils, mm-hmm. well, it was the left wing lock, uh, right? Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. And people hated it because every game was two to one. Right. That's what Biden's doing right now. He's just not going to go on the He's not going to get baited by uh, Trump because that th- that's how Trump will get you. Right. Because he, he can say anything. And then as soon as you say something out of character... You right. come off as 
emotional or a, a raging black woman. Right. Biden will not do that. So so I'm going to use a, a football analogy. So it's like Jason Garrett, who was the coach of the Cowboys, we're up, uh, we're up 21 to 7. Uh, Why Phil- are we throwing at third and three? Yeah. Yeah. And Philadelphia just came down and kicked the field goal. So now it's 21 10. Uh oh. Still, we're going to run a uh, screen pass. Right. For two yards. We're going to run a, a, a two yard th- uh, pass and get another three yards. And it's going to be fourth down. We're going to punt it again. Uh oh. They scored a touchdown. Now it's 21 to 7, Cowboys. We still do the same thing. It's you know it's not. He, he, Jason Garrett is not imaginative. I, I, I'll no. wait. I'll try. Hold on. Let me try to polish that. Jason up. Garrett is Biden, by the way. Uh, I think Biden is a savvier and more experienced. Okay. I'm trying to come up with with a better example, and it's it's probably a football example. Um, I would say that it's the games where the Cowboys win, where it's like. Why don't they run Zeke 27 times yeah. every week? Right, right. Okay, okay. Right, right, right. I see you. And then it's the next week when Dak throws 37 times. I mean, you you, you know it's the deal. It's like every sports fan's favorite thing is like, why why don't they run the ball more? Well, you're down 17-3. Right. But it's... But you know that, that Zeke is going to get a 60-yard run and maybe score a touchdown. Or it's what you were describing, but I'll say it in like a more in a winning way. Zeke ran 28 times for 137 yards and two touchdowns. You win every game. The Cowboys do that. Right now, granted the score of the game has an impact on that, but if the Cowboys just keep pounding Zeke and not worried about the Eagles, you know, blitzing or trying to go for big plays, if they just keep pounding Zeke, they're going to win the game because He's either going to get two, two, six, seven, eight, three, or it's going to be two, two, sixty, right, and score. Okay. So it's that kind of offense. Okay. Or the, or or before Russell Wilson turned into a mega All Pro, yeah. it was kind of quirky and conservative, right? It, it, it's so. But I, they won. They won. Okay. They won. They let the defense do their job, and Russell Wilson didn't throw any intercept. That's what this is. Don't uh, throw any picks. Game management. Yes. Okay. That's what Biden is doing. Did you see the interview yesterday or the one that aired yet? The Jonathan Swan interview? Uh-huh. It's amazing. I swear to God, I thought um, John Oliver was going to pop out. I thought at some point they were going to go live from New York at Saturday night. <laughs> I could not believe Wait a minute. Did I see a clip of that? The Australian gentleman? Yeah, I've was, seen a clip of that. He was going. 37 minutes and all of it's hysterical. He was going at Trump hard. I only seen like 30 seconds of it on uh, on uh, Instagram. He When. Trump was showing him his graphs and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. all right, this looks bad, but <laughs> let me watch the whole thing. And there's so many great lines in there. It's I, I can't believe like if this were Russia and Putin Putin's people let that air, someone falls out a window. Right. Somebody winds up in <laughs> Siberia. My favorite line of, of it was, Did you know that before me there wasn't even a test for COVID? Right. He was like, why would we have a test for COVID? <laughs> yeah. It was so it, Biden's just going to let him keep yeah. throwing the ball over receivers' heads. Right. And look, it might not work because people have said that the polls are what they are. Liberals, Democrats are, are active to tell you that they will vote for Biden, while people from the middle of Iowa, the middle of this state who don't get polled will come, will vote for Trump. And that could win him the election in November. Um, but you got you got to like Biden's strategy of 
let him continue to look like an ass. What do you think is going to happen? Like, uh, what's, what's your prediction? If you could predict. <laughs> I, I don't do you, know this stuff. My guess is Trump will narrowly win almost identical. To, I, I'm fairly certain he'll lose the popular vote. Right. I fucking hate the Electoral College. Yeah, it makes no sense. Not because I'm a sore loser, but they say, well, this way you can't just campaign in major places. Well, you can. I mean, the arguably the election, especially the last few, is like two states. Yeah. Like you only have to campaign in swing states um, as opposed to, you know, one person being one vote. I think it's going to be the same thing as four years ago where he loses the popular vote, maybe by a bigger margin. Right. And wins the electoral college and it'll be electoral college chaos, which it should be. Or I think Biden will landslide him. If Biden wins this, this, this presidency, Trump will not leave the white house. Well, then there's that. (laughs) He got asked that yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. And I forget what his answer was because I was laughing so hard, but the interviewer said, you said to Fox news, you know, well, we'll just have to see about the results. And he talked about mail-in voting. And I, I read a, a terrifying article yesterday that said there's a way that uh, Trump can manipulate things or discount certain amounts of mail-in votes and all this nonsense. Uh, it, it's kind of scary. Wow. Um, but it, if it's a landslide, like it could possibly be, um, he would have a hard time pulling that off, but we'll see. But I do think that um, with Pennsylvania and Michigan going blue four years ago, right. It's very possible. I mean, Biden could could win all the swing states. Arizona is s- starting to skew more liberal. Um, thanks to actually a lot of the Hispanic people there, I've read are are not as liberal as you think. But he could lose Arizona. He could lose Florida. He could lose Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and he will get throttled. Like it could be. I think the bat the last big landslide was Reagan over Carter, but it could be a historic landslide for for Biden. Yeah. Because those swing states, I believe, are in play. Right. And uh, I, I think o- Ohio was in play. It was narrow before. Pennsylvania, I, I think, is is usually more liberal, is usually more, I'm sorry, I have got my colors messed up, is usually more blue. Right. That could change. Um, it's funny. The loud people hate Gretchen Whitmer, but they have one of the best, de- the most positive death ratios in the country. Yeah. for her measures. Right. Eventually people should recognize that. Right. There I think is a democratic governor in Wisconsin now. So all all these swing states are 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 real are are really in play. That's why I think I'll go you can I'll put a dollar on it. Um <laughs> it's it's going to be a tight loss or a landslide and we'll yeah. get back to some normalcy. I think it will be a landslide. Um just because even the Trump supporters are tired of Trump. Yeah. The the I have a friend. She is affluent, and he has said something in the last four months. She votes for uh, financial reasons and economic reasons. Right. Fine, I yeah. get that. He is an abhorrent human. He is completely indecent. Um, but I get it. You want to protect your money, as most people do. And in the last four months, she's like, I just can't deal with it. I can't do it anymore. And I, you're right. Those people might have reached their breaking point. Yeah. It's, it's the Trump supporters who supported Trump just because he was, he ran Republican. Yeah. Are going to vote Biden, I believe. Yeah. Is is because they see, okay, this guy is, uh, he's not very smart, first of all. Uh, he's doing this, he's doing everything for show, for himself. Oh, there's no substance. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing behind what, what he does at all. 
why are you doing that? Why are you why are you tweeting this? Why are you saying this? Why are you uh, supporting? Uh, why are you why why are you supporting uh, the Russian president? Like, why are you doing these things that that normal uh, United States president doesn't do? Yesterday, uh, in his graphs, I heard a wild theory, and I think there's some validity to it that he's blind. <laughs> That's why he always speaks off the cuff. Uh, yesterday he was reading something and he said yosemite like anti-semite oh not my yosemite yes um so he <laughs> and yesterday he had this graph with big bar lines on there and uh he was pointing to the bottom he's like look we're down here like our deaths are, are there look we're all the way at the bottom i mean there's not a lot of deaths and the interviewer was like but the proportion and ratio of deaths yeah, is yeah, yeah. awful. He's like, yeah, but look, we're lower. We're lower. <laughs> I don't even know that he has, an, he has a reasonably above average IQ. No. How does he get by? Bravado, bombast. He plays to his crowd. Wow. It's like a wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. We're watching live WWE promos every time Trump, he, he gets up there. Those, those people, those white people who feel like Obama divided everybody or the look America is becoming less white. And that's not a bad thing at all because again, it's not an idiotic line to say we are a nation of immigrants. Right. Immigrants are all different colors. Yeah. I actually, you know, as I was, it was in my mid thirties and I was like, what does an average American look like? Cause when we're kids, you learn it's a white guy or a white girl, right? That's not the case anymore. And that's totally fine. Yeah. And, there are some people that have a genuine issue with that, but he has amplified that. Yeah, I don't think yeah. that many people have that big of an issue with it. No, it's it's a lower percentage of, of the uh, people in America who, who believe that. Yeah. And most people don't. I don't think they realize that. But he tells them. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They're, he, he makes it. He, uh, he uh, magnifies it. And then there's people who really, who, who probably wouldn't believe it, but jumps on board just because it's. Yeah, I mean, most of what he says is is not nearly yeah. accurate or real. But but when people are down in in ways, um, they will take someone who says it like it is, or or they think that yeah. they do. I mean, it, it's it was embarrassing. Like right in your industry, um, the Lordstown stuff. Yeah, didn't he say he was going to keep like he or someone was going to keep that open? Keep it open, yeah. And I realize you know tough economic times, but. What's up? I mean, that's exactly who you wanted to help. Right. Yeah. Somebody ended up buying that. Um, was it Nokia? Nokia. They're going to make uh, electronic trucks. I don't know how. Uh, kind of like a Tesla, but as a truck. But, yeah, it's um, he – and then he, he lost those people. Who, yeah. Who entrusted him to save their jobs. Yeah, I remember reading some of those quotes. Like, I believed him yeah. when they lost their jobs. And – Look, I, 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 I'm a believer that when, when our middle class succeeds, and you know this because of our age uh, proximity, uh, our parents are probably the, the, the best generation or the most, the most yeah. well-off right after the war and things like that. Right. Um, that was the pinnacle of, of America, and, and the middle class thrived. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really that way anymore. The, no. the middle class struggles. The poor are stuck there, sometimes by choice, yeah. and then there's the top. Um, but- the middle class has to be the muscle of of the body, and, and it's it's not right now. And he he yeah. And what's 
were crazy about why the middle class was so uh, well off back then was because of the war. Mm-hmm. A lot of jobs. A lot of jobs. A lot of our money. grandparents made yeah. money. Yeah, a lot of money was uh, was made and and saved, and wealth was built. Yeah, because of that. Yeah. Now, because we don't, we were a nation who, who who was against war because of Vietnam, um, and the Gulf War. We we don't like war. Well, we we shouldn't like war anyway. But war is a money maker. That's mm-hmm. why Republicans. Anytime a Republican president is in office, let's go fight somebody. Bush, let's go fight somebody. Bush number two, let's go fight somebody because it makes money. It, uh, it builds the economy and it provides jobs. Yeah. Now, and, and obviously that was very helpful to get us out of the depression. But you're you're right. Yeah. And I I always ask people like I would love to have jobs here. And and I'm sorry back. That that time kind of ended because corporations became so big mm. and they got smart. They're like, I'm going to pay these people less and make more money for myself. And it began to squash the middle class. Oh, and it's okay. been happening for four decades right. now. Um, but I always question people who are like, bring jobs to America. I'm like, there's a, like, everything is interconnected. You got to zoom out. Like, I would love for everybody here to have jobs. Right. But you do realize that the cost of goods will go up, right? Like I don't love the fact that some little Asian kid is making my Jordans. Right. But I I they're 190. I don't want them to be 390. And yeah. that's a terrible example, but or the the iPhone. Anything. Yeah. And th- this Clorox, all right. this stuff. Like we'd love everything to be made here, but that's not the way the world works. I mean, right. it, we are globally connected. But if everything is made here and he lived up to all of his promises with American jobs, um, yes, people will have money, and they will have to spend more for products and goods. Cost of living will go through the roof. Yeah. 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 Um, Do you want to talk about any nerd stuff? Nerd stuff? Like Marvel? Whatever you want. Yeah. What What? What are you, a Marvel guy? or I'm Batman. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but more Marvel. Like More Marvel? I got the DC app when it came out. because mm-hmm. They have an app? Yeah. Uh, uh, D- I forget what it is. I forget what it's called, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they had something out a couple of years ago and it had like the whole library of Batman movies. I wanted it for two reasons. It had a massive, um, DC comic library, mm-hmm. which isn't out there. Let's use like comicsology and they had HD versions of Batman, the animated series. Really? I know you loved, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Yeah. It wasn't as good as I had hoped cause there were still blacks black on the sides of the screens Oh yeah, and it wasn't as polished as I expected. But I didn't stick with the app. Um, some of the Titans or what the other, the other stuff wasn't into it. And I don't love all the Marvel shows, but I'm far more Marvel. Yeah, I don't understand how DC can't live up to uh, the Marvel standard when it comes to movies. Um, oh, I, I I'll give you the answer. At least over the at least in the last twenty years, Marvel. Um, found and unleashed Kevin Feige. Who? Kevin Feige. He is basically the godfather, the overseer of the Marvel okay. Cinematic Universe. And it was kind of neat. I was reading a Brian Singer story. You know who he is? Mm-hmm. Um, Dirtball um, gave us the X-Men. I was reading right. a story the other day because it was the 20th anniversary of X-Men. And um, Kevin Feige was apparently dispatched as like a pr- production assistant to make sure Brian Singer showed up on the X-Men set. Oh, wow. And uh, he just moved through the system. He has a singular vision. 
there's never been any anybody like that with uh with DC or Warner Brothers and when uh they couldn't get Christopher Nolan to do it after the Dark Knight stuff mm-hmm. like they gave him some credits I think for Man of Steel but he wanted to do other things there's never been one singular visionary for DC that's why you've had so many clunkers yeah cuz Marvel has has stepped up from the first set of X-Men which was great and then this last uh, was the first class was the first one. Um, first class, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse. Apocalypse, yeah. And yeah. then there's uh, Phoenix, mm-hmm. Logan. Logan was a great movie. They, I mean, they just took the whole, uh, this is just X-Men, took it from start to finish um, and made every movie worth watching. Mm-hmm. Then they did the same thing with uh, uh, the Avengers. Mm-hmm. You don't have that with DC at all. I think some of it is because I think, again, there's no visionary at DC like at Marvel. And and they've got obviously Disney's pocket. Like nobody's got more money than Disney. Warner Brothers has a lot, but not Disney money. Um, DC has the, what are they? The the three, the Holy Trinity. They have the Holy Holy Trinity. Mm -hmm. Arguably the three, three of the five biggest superheroes ever. DC, Batman, oh, Superman, yeah. Wonder Woman. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's three of yeah. So my expect ex- expectations for DC, especially for Superman and and Wonder Woman, are that you know so high, but then you're let down. Well, the movie was fine. Wonder Woman was good. Yeah, um, but it's slow. Every DC movie starts off slow. Even the TV shows mm-hmm. start off slow. I I'm not a Zack Snyder fan, and it seemed like he was going to be the Kevin Feige of. Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. um, and there's been so much drama, but I, I don't like his stuff. I felt like when I saw Dawn of Justice, the Batman Superman movie, I was like, yeah. I feel like my salt, my, my senses were assaulted in that movie. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, it was just everything. Like, Donald Trump speaking, <laughs> like, that was the movie. It was just an assault on my senses. Yeah. Um, so I'm not a Zack Snyder fan. But to the point of, they, DC's got the Holy Trinity. Batman and Superman are... Two of the top five, right. definitely. Yeah. Wonder Woman might be in the top five, too. So they have three of the top five. They don't have shit otherwise. Where Marvel's roster yeah. is so yeah. deep. Yeah, so deep. Like, look, look what, look. Now, granted, there was a lot of Sony stuff with Spider-Man. But Kevin Feige, again, to his credit, but also, you know, A people hire A people. Right. And, and he's an A person. They got that thing up and rocking without Spider-Man. Arguably mm. their biggest character. Right, right. And people say that, man, they, they did something with like a C-list, a C-list superhero, Iron Man. And I, maybe yeah. I hated hearing that because I was like, Iron, Iron Man's like, he's not Wolverine or Spider-Man, but he's right, up but he, there. Yeah, he was still the guy. Right. He was still a, a great superhero. Right. Like I knew about Iron Man before the movie even came out. Absolutely. I mean, because I'm, I'm a... Uh, Marvel, yeah, Marvel guy. I guess many people didn't, and there was a lot of people who were sus- who were suspect uh, or suspicious or skeptical it was going to work. But look, they got that thing up and going with a singular vision, without arguably their most popular character, yeah. Spider Man. Right, right, and it, uh, and no X Men, no Fantastic Four. No, 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 no. And you have the best superhero uh, with Superman and Batman. Who are probably the most popular superheroes ever? Yeah, and you get trash, <laughs> you get buckets of chum, 
with uh, the Justice Justice League. Did you see that movie? Yeah, I unfortunately saw them all. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't see Aquaman, and I like Jason Momoa. Uh, uh, actually, Aquaman was a, a pre, it was a pretty good story. I've heard. I've heard. Yeah, it was a pretty good story. It was just like I don't. I can't. I can watch the movie. I can watch. I can go home right now and watch all the Marvel ones. All the Marvel ones Same. right now. But Justice League, I watched it once, or one and a half times. I watched it at the movies with my daughter, and then I, I rented it at home on Apple TV, and I fell asleep. Yeah, it's that bad. It's that slow. They're not rewatchable. No, they're not at all. There's X Snyder movies, and he again, it's a very grinding experience. With you him. think it's just, it's just that? Yeah, uh, his movies. He did three hundred. Um. Yeah. Okay. He has that feel. He did Watchmen. I think Watchmen is a great movie. Could, yeah. But also, you or I could have done that movie because he literally ripped pages out of the book. Oh. Okay. Um, he but, didn't tell his own story. No, and, and you shouldn't with the Watchmen. Um. But he has. He and I, I can't think of his other movies because I'm not fan. I'm not a fan. But his his exp- They're very grinding. They're very grinding. Yeah. And I have a friend who is a ha- hardcore comic book reader. And he said to me, I don't keep up with, 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 uh, current runs, but he's like, all DC does is go back to the Batman. Well, mm. it, it's like Jordan before Pippin showed up, right? Pass it to Michael. It's the same thing. It's okay. like DC struggling a little bit. New Batman, new Batman arc. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're coming out with another one. Well, is, is, is it another Batman or is with he comic, like a comic, uh, oh, comic oh, runs oh, I'm okay, talking comic. about. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like they, they don't, for whatever reason, they can't get other characters to that level they can't take i don't know i mean thor is big iron man's big cap is big who's the next biggest avenger hmm. dr strange maybe okay i mean they're all I mean, like people know they get they, like there's uh, dr strange uh, hawk would you say that uh scarlet witch came out of anonymity and became someone people know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, DC can't do that. Right. Yeah, they can't take a character like uh, I don't even Arrow, <laughs> Green Arrow, and, and make his own movie. The show was fine for the first two years, but uh, it slowed down. Oh yeah, I, I bailed. The first two years were like wow, like all they do is watch Christopher Nolan stuff and then go shoot the show, yeah. and then it got really CW ish. Yeah. Even the Flash, though, it, it, oh, as, yeah, good, yeah. as good as that was. <sighs> but I'm talking like those are notable characters. Like Scarlet Witch was, yeah. if you weren't a comic diehard, you wouldn't know who she was, yeah. right? Or or Vision. Like I had to get educated on some of these people. Yeah. But DC doesn't have Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman hit their potential, and they can't elevate other characters. I mean. Arrow and uh, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Flash, like those should be easy to prop up. But yeah. I'm like, they can't even get, I mean, I know they tried with Cyborg and there's some, some other ones that I can't think of off the top of my head. I'm sure they've all appeared in some way in the CW shows. <laughs> like we should love Deathstroke as a villain. Yeah. Great villain. Great story. Kind of an anti-hero. Right. Deadpool-ish. Yeah. Um, there's another great one, and granted, that's the the Ryan Reynolds brainchild. But DC can't get those. And granted, the, the roster is kind of slim. But you should at least have Green Arrow, Green Lantern, and the Flash as as up there with Avenger types. And it's they're not there. Like I, I would I would have thought that when they did the Justice League that they would have include 
those characters they, in it. They did. To make it like the Avengers. They tried. I mean, they were. With a couple, like. Right. But Cyborg, that was and that was it. And a little more Flash. Yeah. Um, and I can't even think of who else because I haven't seen it enough. Well, it was and, Flash. It was Cyborg. Uh, of course, you had Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman, Aquaman. But that was it. That's only what seven, six characters. Uh you're uh, the other like Martian Manhunter. Like who wasn't in it. Okay, but, like, right, that, right, right. You know, I'm saying who was in it. But when you look at the Avengers, everybody was in it. Yeah, and they because again, it's a singular vision. Martian Manhunter is the perfect is the character I was looking for. Like he's not Flash, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, right? But he's a good character. He's in Justice League. It's super. He's like an alien. He's super cool. Right. Marvel could take a character like that and make us love him. Yeah. Like Hawkeye. Right. Or right. 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 Vision. Yeah. And they can't do that. I mean, because they can't even get Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman right. Let me ask you this: aside from the big ones, who are your off the beaten path favorites? Like characters on who DC or either either. Oh. We'll say Falcon. That counts. Oh. Another great job by Marvel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you read any comics at all? I used to. Okay. It's been a while. Okay. So I'm kind of lost. All right. Falcon's a good one. Well, Falcon, yeah. I have, so I like Moon Knight a lot. Do you know who he is? Moon Knight. He's, they both rip each other off and I'll, totally admit to this but like he he's marvel's batman really he is a he's a mercenary goes over to egypt gets killed mm. and this egyptian statue called Khonshu, an egyptian god resurrects him uh. and he's super rich got all the toys and stuff uh he is like a street level superhero but he's got a he's got a moon ship <laughs> it's very batman like but i i really like it because he's a uh, especially in the last couple of years, they've really dived into his mental health issues. Oh, okay. He is at least schizophrenic, and they've really played that up the last couple of years um, because he has different personas. And right. at, at times, it's, it's, it's confusing to follow. Um, but I like Moon Knight a lot, mostly because, again, he's, he's very violent, super violent. <laughs> um, I was kind of hoping that he was going to make it into the Netflix Marvel shows, but he's going to get a Disney Plus show. Is he? Yeah, which is good and bad. I'm happy to have it, but it'll still be like PG-ish, or we'll see. Um, I'll say, will it though? It's on Disney. Disney takes out like yeah, takes out stuff. But because I I love I I am begging um, the MCU and Kevin Feige to bring back uh, Charlie Cox's Daredevil. Mm. Love Daredevil. Yeah. Did you watch the show? I didn't watch the show. Great show. Love it. There's some slow parts. Right. But he was a great daredevil. And he's one, he's my, after Batman, he's my second favorite character. Overall? Yeah. Really? I like the, the darkness aspect of it. Right. Um, he's deeply religious, but he's religious, but not so much. It's more of a spiritual connection mm -hmm. to religion. Right. And he questions it a lot. And it's, it's deep. It gets psychological. And he's dealt with a lot of, uh, a lot of trauma. Right. Uh, one of those heroes where everybody around him gets killed and got a great villain in the Kingpin. Right. Um, so I like Daredevil and I got into him because like he was in the Spider-Man show when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Daredevil. Then I can dive down even more. Uh, I like, uh, 
Adam Warlock. Do you know who he is? Adam Warlock. He was in the Infinity Gauntlet, the yellow guy. And he basically has to stop Thanos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like him because he's like... I was, I was always wondering when they were going to do uh, the Infinity storyline in the theaters. I'm like, they can't, they can't do this without Adam Warlock. Like, he's the only one that can stop Thanos. I like him. And I'm excited that uh, Taskmaster is going to be the villain in Black Widow because he's he is a crazy fuck. <laughs> and also, like, I like the way he's drawn. Like, he's got a skull mask, but it looks like a skull in the comics. Uh, some things, just the art appeals to me and I get into it. Right. Right. Yeah, I like some some deep ones at times. Yeah, yeah. emotional connections. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I I got into Batman. Like, I didn't like the hokey stuff, but I guess in and I wasn't alive, but I would go back in the in the seventies when they made Batman Darker. Mm-hmm. Um, I like those. Then in the eighties with like Batman Year One, like comics totally changed. Yeah. I mean, that was a uh, Frank Miller, uh, the guy who did also was it Sin City. Like Frank Miller was a genius. Like he put um, a deeper psychology into these superhuman people. Do you think uh, it's changed? The writing has changed as far as um, who the comic uh, writers are trying to reach. Yeah, but that's always happening. Is it? I remember. So uh, Denny O'Neill, Dennis O'Neill, also uh, he wrote he wrote everybody. Um, he really pushed the Batman into dark. So you remember the bad bat? Did you like the Batman show? Mm-hmm. The pal and all that shit. Oh, the, the actual the, show yeah, with yeah. Adam West. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't like, I, didn't. I mean, it was funny right back then. It wasn't, uh, to me, it wasn't Batman. It wasn't Michael Keaton. Cause that's what we, well, it, even before, even before, um, uh, I knew that that movie came out. I, of course I knew about Batman, because of the comic book, comic books, but Batman and the comic books were the dark. It was the Dark Knight, right? So watching Pow Bang Boom, my father's show. Yeah, my dad loved it too. Yeah, it was like this is goofy, but it was funny. So in the fifties and sixties, sorry to be a comic history nerd. No, it's good. I need it. <laughs> um, in the fifties and sixties, I think the Comics Code came around, mm. and because there was a a very conservative. Was that because of the war? No. And it might have even been in the late 40s, but I think in the 50s and 60s, you got a very conservative people who were like, Batman is probably banging Robin. Like, wild ass shit. What? And like, this is too violent, this is too sexual, blah, blah, blah. That's why they sent like superheroes into space. Um, it was it was cartoonish. Okay. And you can see on the comics, and I think it's still there, like the, the comics code approved. Yeah, yeah. Like the FDA or the... Uh, who oversees radio again? I even, uh, FCC. FCC. Yeah, it was like that for comics. Yeah. And then that's where the TV show came from. And then in the 70s, Denny O'Neill was like, fuck this. And turned Batman into the Dark Knight and made, that's when the Joker also got extremely brutal and less clownish. Yeah. And unfortunately, Denny O'Neill just died not that long, like within a couple of months ago. Okay. Uh, but he is a, a visionary and a luminary. And that's when like Legends of the Dark Knight was a comic book run and some of the characters really started to build out. But he gave us that darkness. But also during that time, I think it was the early 70s or the early 80s. It might have even been like Denny O'Neill or someone that worked for or with him. Uh, there was Green Arrow, Green Lantern. And that was social commentary. 
And Green Lantern was like this very conservative Republican white collar police type. That's how he was portrayed in the comic. He's obviously right. the policeman of the galaxy, but he played that role, very straight edge. Green Arrow was very socially conscious. Mm-hmm. He was the the contrast to right. Green Arrow. Right. So there's a pretty popular comic run. And again, I think it might be Danny O'Neill where they they work together, but they're constantly bickering over social versus, you know, the straight black and white of things. Right. So comics are always uh social commentaries. Yeah, adjusting to the times mm-hmm. of what's uh what's going on. Now they made a a, <laughs> a comic book now about 2020. What would it be? Somebody's got to be writing something, and maybe it'll, it's it's being written now. What would it be, though? I don't know. What 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 would be? Who would be the superhero? It's a good question. I think it would be Thanos to bring back balance into the universe. I, I love him for that. <laughs> if if I if you want to get into something, and and if you've got like seventy or eighty bucks, so every year I I, I buy Marvel Unlimited. It's just about everything but their current runs. They're like six or nine months behind. And one of the best comics, and again, I'm not a comics reader like some people, but one of the best best comics I've read was like a, not a Thanos origin, but it was a Thanos story, mm-hmm. but it looked back on on some of him and how he got to be how he was. And I always appreciated Thanos, even from like before the character was fleshed out. I'm like, fuck yeah. Get rid of half of the people, right, especially right, if it's right. just random. Like, yeah. I'm not picking on people. It's random. Right, right. You might go, you might stay. Yeah. So I appreciated that. Um, and this this line fills him in really well. And if you want, I'll, I'll dig up who the writer was. Um, there's another line like that that does the same with Magneto, mm. who's another great villain. See, what people don't realize is that uh, the black community has a has a connection with with uh, Magneto and Professor X. Oh, yeah. Because... Uh, it's Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. That uh, Magneto was Malcolm X. Harsher means. Harsher means, like, uh, by any means necessary, we're going to... We need to fight the system. But Professor X is like, or Dr. King is like, you know what? No. Let's work with them. And uh, eliminate the uh, dichotomy between between two races, between human and mutants, or let's black talk it and white. Out. Yeah, let's talk it out. Uh, so there's a connection. I don't know if the, it was purposely written like that. Oh, oh, it was. Okay. I mean, remember, uh, these comics aren't written because I mean, sometimes people have bright ideas, right? But usually they're social commentaries. They're a way for a writer to reflect what's going on. And X Men is one thousand percent based on. Um, the civil rights movement yeah. and and people being different and being treated poorly because they're different. Right. There's a, uh, before I got in, into reading any comics at all, there's a book, a couple of books I read. One's like the psychology of superheroes um, or the philosophy of superheroes. And it educated me to all of that. Exa- like exactly how you just put it. Yeah. And a lot of, uh, I didn't, I didn't even realize that. Mm-hmm. Until somebody pointed it out to me, I don't even think I think it was a, a documentary I, I watched on Netflix. Actually, uh, it talked about that the X Men uh, being uh, Doctor King and Malcolm X, and then it talked about how uh, the comics wrote uh, created Captain America because of Hitler, yeah, and World War Two to fight I, Hitler. Yeah, one, I mean, there's a legendary uh, uh, 
cover of him punching Hitler. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. They, they were, in many ways, they were propaganda. Right, right, right. Against the war. Uh, right? Against Germany, against Nazis well, yeah, yeah, and yeah, things yeah. like that. I, in fact, I think that's when comics became mega popular. Because I, so Batman's 80, so 40? So Batman, I think, was like late, it was in the 30s, mm. and Superman too. And they weren't real popular. Right. I think in some ways because they were written by Jews. And there was still a lot of anti-Semitism at the time. Um, but I don't think comics went into hyperdrive until the war thing started to happen. Right. And Nazi Germany arose. So like mid to late 30s into the 40s. And that's when Superman, you know, the American, the American, right. the American symbol. Yeah. When they could become symbols of society or propaganda, good propaganda, because we should want to kill Hitler and beat him up, right. rather than just you know juvenile escapes. That's when they become became more part uh, of pop culture. Yeah, yeah. It, um, before that, of course, comics were written to uh, have something that uh, a teenage boy or girl could read, yeah. and it's entertaining, and it's still a cartoon at the same time. But it didn't mean anything. Yeah, it didn't mean anything. It was just fun. Uh, Fun books to read. I'll, I'll have to throw some things your way if you like to read about yeah where these things were birthed out of because it's fascinating. Um, just like the X Men thing, like I would guess almost every superhero villain or whatever uh, comes from someone who has been marginalized in in some way. In fact, um, so one of the things that I like, and, and maybe it's just it's intuitive. Uh, or this connective tissue for me in comics is it can't, I'm, I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the early comic book writers were Jewish people yeah. who were struggling to find work. Right. And uh, they kind of had this little creative cabal and they created Superman and Batman and all these other characters. And Stan Lee is, was Jewish. Yeah. Um, and it was their way to kind of showcase, you know, cause this is what, what I love about, you know, Jewish and black people were, were brothers in arms Right. Um, like the OG slaves yeah. and, and all the stuff. <laughs> so, um, it was their way with, again, fighting back a lot of anti-Semitism. Yeah. Pop power in their creativity and creating a profit for businesses. Because I I, I read, or I, I don't know if I read it or if I saw the, uh, a movie about it, that a lot of uh, Jews couldn't get jobs mm-hmm. as writers or as uh, designers uh, because of that. So yeah. that they created their own lane. Yeah, we're gonna make. We're gonna. We're good at this. And yeah. I forget some of the early stories because I've read them, but I forget them now. But um, like my last name is not Chase. A lot of celebrities and stuff change their right. names. Yeah. Um, not so much. Well, for them, to your point, Stan Lee, I think is his real name is like Stanley Lieberman. Yeah, yeah. that's too. Uh, we can't have put that on the front of a comic book. Right. Nobody, only Jewish people will buy it. Yeah. So it's Stan Lee. Right. Yeah, they changed the names because Jews were there's anti-Semitism. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. And then they, uh, when they find out that okay, uh, there's Jewish people who run this, who run this, who run this, and I was like, they're taking over. That's what, this is what they feel. Mm-hmm. They're taking over. Yeah. Like, why can't we? Well, you you kind of put them in a, into a corner, right? So they they made the best of the situation and created their own lane. That's why you see a lot of uh, Jewish uh, people in in uh, media. Some ways, yeah, they're creative. Yeah, and yeah. You, when you push them into a corner, okay, we'll we'll, we'll just adjust. That's exactly. Uh, there was a 
a girl on Facebook, and I hate to always bring these things up because it's such like lowest common denominator junk. She seemed to genuinely be asking, not asking to get her ignorant point across. It turned out to be she was ignorant, but she gen- she's like, I don't understand why something like BET or Essence, um, why isn't that racist? How If there was a white-only TV network, that would be racist. And, and she didn't understand the difference. Uh-huh. And she seemed to genuinely be asking. I tagged a couple of my thoughtful black friends, but she's like, I'm not friends with them, so they can't answer. And that thing was like a magnet for racist racism and ignorance and some people uh like a spanish girl succinctly explained exactly what you just said these people were marginalized they were not allowed to create content so they decided to make their own when they were allowed the freedom and had access to the resources so they made their own because the other people oppressed them and held them down right and she didn't get that she still didn't get it she didn't get it like i've never i don't think i've I've knowingly been unfriended for my comments <laughs> until that lady. But wow. Yeah. She didn't get it and she it was explained in short detail to her and she she didn't get it. Tyler Perry created his own uh his own studio. Yeah. Just because, just so he can have uh black creators or and and media come down to have a, access to Whatever they wanted to have access to, yeah, because they he knew that he couldn't get in the in the doors at the, at the other places, so he created his own space for him to enjoy and, and work through, and for others to come. That's not racist, no. That's just him using the resources because he wasn't uh, given access to the other resources. And if somebody did want to find some needle in a haystack argument and try to make some sense and go, that's racist, he could say fine you hire them right they're certainly talented enough yeah you give them jobs yeah true yeah well <laughs> i mean that's that's just society today but you know what it's it's tense it's extreme obviously yeah. the pandemic has magnified a lot of that right but really the the world is the world is as good a place as it's ever been um it's safer and healthier than right. it's ever been um Crime, violence, all that stuff in in the civilized world is down. But like I always like to remind people, there are just more places than people telling you ever than ever before that this yeah. stuff is going on. So it just seems worse. Yeah, it seems worse because it's magnified. Yeah. If there's a speck on this table that I don't see, I'm not going to see. It. I'm not going to pay attention to it. But if somebody puts a magnifying glass right here and I can see it, three or four different specks, I'm going to complain about it because it's shown to me or if everybody that comes in here goes you know you got a speck on that table right it's gonna feel a lot worse than it is yeah. when really it's just like it's a, a small imperfection yeah that's been there for a while yeah yeah um but the world the world is not a bad place there's no, a, a it, lot of bad people and, and and they have too much clout yeah um that's like what i dislike about twitter in some ways we've given a small section of people too much sway and clout yeah um but people just have to step back and, and realize that, you know, again, thing, things are overall pretty good. And they're never going to be great or good for everybody. Right, right. That's just life. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll get past this this uh, critical stage where everybody's intense and on edge. Mm-hmm. I know we will get past it. I'm just looking forward to the day that we can not talk about it anymore. 
not talk about the intense intensity of what's going on and just live and enjoy each other and enjoy life. Did you, maybe this is the last thing, uh, and I, this is the, what I wanted to bring up with you before when we were talking president and stuff. You remember four weeks ago, six weeks ago, Obama popped up with a video. Mm-hmm. He was in his living room. I think he was wearing a white shirt. Yeah. And I was like, this is, this is different from when other times I see him speaking. Like I felt like our president, like our great unifier, like someone with some resolve and a resolute nature, some compassion um, was speaking to us. And it's like yeah. when you're at the dentist or whatever doctor you're here to go to, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all good. Right. And it felt so warming to hear his voice. Yeah, yeah. Like I literally stopped eating dinner and just put every piece of attention to him right. because like what you said, it's chaos. Right. And he just like gathered everybody around. It's like, it's like the, it's like with 30 seconds left in the game and you're down seven. Yeah. No, guys, it's cool. We, this is what we practice for. Right, right, right. It right. felt so good to hear him say that. Yeah. Yeah. We need more of that, but we can't get that now because of who's in office. But eh, to me, I don't worry about what Trump says or what he does. It doesn't, bo- it doesn't bother me to the, to the point to where I'm worried about uh, what, what's going to come tomorrow because I know just like Obama was saying, I know that, this thing is going to pass. It's going to go away. Unfortunately, though, you know, it's that, that collateral shit that he causes. Yeah. You don't have to directly worry about anything, but there are people out there that will listen to him that could potentially, because of the color of your skin, endanger you, or at the True. very least, fling words at you that under another president, they would never say in public. True. Yeah, that's true. That's what he does. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's something you're right that I probably should be thinking about. And it sucks that you have to think of it. It's awful. Yeah. It's it's terribly awful. Right. And he he brought that, he allowed that to rise to the surface. He emboldened all the wrong kind of people. Right. Right. And um I don't know. Uh, um sometimes I, I think that uh he, he knows what he well he he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. I just hope that one day he will understand what he did um to society in the last four years. And he probably won't apologize for it. No. I'm sure he won't. Uh, it's just, I just, maybe maybe what I should hope is the people that followed him would understand what he did to yeah. manipulate them into uh, how they treated other people. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's like the people who go, there ain't no virus, and then two weeks later you hear they died of the virus. Yeah. Like they don't know until something Something traumatic happens to them. Yeah, there's and no such thing like, as racism. The Lordstown people. Yeah. Like, oh, he, he maybe he maybe he was full of a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, thanks for all this. This is great. Yeah. You should so, divide this up into like three different podcasts. I know, I know. <laughs> uh too bad the video uh cut That's out. That's fine. It's fine. Yeah, we don't even I don't I'm not even gonna post the video. Well, thanks. This is great. Yeah. So what is your podcast? Uh you can there's two ways. I always say it on the air. You can text Eric to our Q text number 419-240-1055 um, or just search Eric Chase wherever you get podcast episodes, Spotify, Apple. Um, it's Before, it was what happened on the air. Mm-hmm. Now that we're kind of split up because of all of this, uh, it's different. It's, okay. it's something that we record while the on-air show is happening. It's about an hour each day. Um, it's not today I came up with a... Uh, 
a phrase. It's not PG thirteen. It's PG eighteen. Oh, there's so there are <laughs> things there. There are words and topics that we can't talk about on the air for our pop culture audience okay. that we get into, like a lot of this stuff. Right, right. Um, and sometimes Floyd's like, you know, I'm about to say something that's going to piss off. I'm like Floyd. Those people left a long time ago. Right. They right. left a long time. I mean, these are the diehards. So right. that's what it is. And we talk a lot about Toledo stuff and, you know, widening 475 and the tech yeah, stuff I, I and saw that today. The, the Polish ostrich thing. We talk about a lot of Toledo stuff, some entertainment things and, and you know, things that we, we hope entertain and can enlighten people a little bit, make the world a little better place. Okay. And when's your show? Uh, on the air every day on Q105 from about 530 till 10. Okay. I listen every morning. Thank you. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this. Um, the show is a, a, is stripped down, and there's a lot more music than we played on the morning rush. Uh, tell me which you prefer. I would prefer more conversation. How come? Oh, I'm at work. Okay. Most of the time when I'm listening. And uh, podcasting is what I listen to now at work because it makes the time go by faster if I'm listening to the show. I'll rather have more conversation than music. Okay. That's, I, I can only affect so much change, unfortunately, here in Toledo, but I have a, a, a devout belief that um, more over-the-air radio stations should focus on on spoken word content or non-music yeah. content. Right. Um, music has to be part of it. Right. Like, I would be happy if we played three or four songs an hour, but yeah. no more because it, it ties us to what we're talking about in many cases. And when there's a new Taylor Swift or a new weekend, right. let's let's bang it. We want to talk about it. But um, people can't get our content um, anywhere else but from us. If people want all the songs that they like us playing, it's uh, on their phone. Okay. Every song right. I could possibly want, I'll just pull up Spotify. <laughs> but they can't pull up what we're doing. Okay. They can't pull right, up right, a podcast. Right, right, right. They can't pull up um, us talking about 475 stuff or Promenade Park yeah. news or this is coming back. Right. Uh, one thing I should have asked you uh, earlier um, that I wanted to ask you was, what do you, where do you think, um, this would be the last question, <laughs> what do you think radio, I mean podcasting is going to go, um, do you think uh, it's going to take over uh, radio? As far as what do you mean by radio, like over the air radio? Yeah. Um. No. No. There will always be mu music on the radio. Um, well, not 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 the w about music, but the, the the setup of having a radio station, um, in comparison having a podcast studio that somebody can play music have a personality who runs the show because it, it, it's less overhead doing it as a podcast than sure comparison to a radio but station. There, there is a, there's a, a much smaller reach. Um, people just know radio. Like, like you like water, right? Radio is there. It's convenient. It's, it's free. That's something that our industry over the air radio. I mean, uh, always touts it's free. Like I have satellite radio, but you, I pay for it. Right. It's not much, but I pay for it. Um, over the air radio, it, it also has the ability to be local. Um, and okay. it, it has just enough that works for it, that keeps it in the game. Right. It's free. Uh, it's a simple button on your car. Um, there are people that you will usually see in the community, things that you'll talk about, things people talk about in the community. There will be music that you like. So it's got enough going for it. 
But, you know, the sooner that we get to, and, and it's already there now, I mean, it's not as easy as turning the car on, pressing a button. But if you plug your phone in, you basically have a radio um, yeah. on your phone. Right. Um, and that can become your your whatever it is. And the the big podcast that people like you mentioned, Joe Rogan, um, they're powerful and, and they're a player when it comes to, it, it's really the attention economy or the content yeah. Yeah. economy. I have a friend that would, Megan would tell me this. Megan would listen to Netflix shows in the car. Listen? So that is a competitor mm. for over-the-air stations. Okay. Um, but that's why we have the ability to be local and talk about local things. Right. Um, you know, Joe Rogan will have millions of listens. And Joe Rogan is our, Joe Rogan in many ways is so much bigger than, you know, the biggest of radio stations. But Joe Rogan is never going to talk about... What's happening down the street, yeah. Yeah. And people, people in the community and radio ownership groups need to continue to empower that. So, and they, they have to get creative and innovative with their delivery about how they do that right. strategically. Um, like I've suggested that more of our morning show content should be on the air all day. Um, we're not as big and as popular as other radio stations. So um, people are constantly tuning in and out. So yeah. put your, your best local content on more frequently. Right. right, um, it's, right. it's like, you know, you hear the same songs all the time. And there's a reason for that because not everybody is listening at the same time. Right. And you want to play the best stuff. Most it, It's like you know, the, the sports philosophy. Take what you're good and do it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And radio stations need to do more of that as people are listening for less and less time. Right. And people are going to get annoyed that they keep hearing the same stuff, but at least it's whenever somebody says, can you stop fucking playing that song? I'm like, but you love that song. They're like, until you played it out. But I'm like, you love that. Like no one's ever said that's the worst song I've ever heard. And they won't stop playing it. Like that, those songs don't exist. Yeah. 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 Only the good stuff gets played repeatedly. Right. So every, it's not just podcasting. It's anything. And it's, and it's always about the car. You just want 20 minutes from people in their vehicle. And I, you know, listen to stuff when I'm working out or walking the dogs, right. but the car is vital. That's why um, radio's ratings were not great during the pandemic because people stopped driving. That's yeah. why, um, who was it? Who was uh, that, that Quibi network mm-hmm. that popped up? Yeah. Like it hit at the wrong time. It's gone now, right? Not gone. They have to readjust their model. Okay. Um, 10 minute shows, figuring people want to, they're, they're called snackable options. Mm. Um, because we're all tight for time. So they're like, we're going to do awesome 10 minute programming. And then everybody was home on their couch all day. Right. Netflix went through the roof because yeah, yeah. people had nothing but time. So radio lost, lost a lot of listeners. They're coming back now that, but not many will come, uh, not as many as we hope would come back because so many people are work from home now. Yeah. The world is different. It's all, it's always evolving. It's always changing. And like those businesses or people who don't make efficient and smart decisions, they will die. Yeah. So there's always going to be a new normal. Oh yeah. Uh, the only constant is change Yeah, and, uh, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Always be ready for change. When, when I, last thing, when I first started, uh, when I moved from Detroit to work to program, uh, kiss FM, my boss who hired me, is like the morning show doesn't play any music. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, they don't play any music at the talk show. I'm like, that's fucking ridiculous. Well, for 30 years going back to like Denny Schaefer, it was always a talk show. Yeah. Morning radio listeners in Toledo don't know anything else. 
And I got, and I got around to it. I was like, okay, I, not because I wanted to hear my, my voice or, well, before I was on it, I was like, I get it. It works. Because again, even then people could find songs they wanted to hear. They couldn't get good local spoken word content. Right. And the other positive about it is it's never, there are repeats when people are away or stuff, but you'll hear the same Taylor Swift or weekend song and you like it, but eventually you'll get tired of it. It's always new content every day. Right. Okay. We did this. Thank you. Thank you. very. This is great. This is better than I could have hoped. I didn't know what I was walking into. <laughs> I was a little more, I felt a little better when it was at like a, a business address. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. if it was in your basement, I don't care. <laughs> That's why I moved it here because, uh, because I wanted to bring on new personalities. Well, let me know how I can help you. Cause like I'm a friend to anybody that, um, again, um, we all have to work together. Yeah. Like radio stations used to be at each other's throats. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. Cause we're all in the same boat. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. We will talk once I hit stop. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to run something by you anyway. All right. Well, um, however you wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for coming by. By all means. Eric Chase from 105.5 The Q. Uh, this has been the 419 Grind. Good night.